It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're the in crowd, we're the other ones It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from We let our colors show where the numbers ain't We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint That's who we are This is the Mike Keller Show That's how we roll Call the show at 877-729-1070 The Outsiders Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show The Outsiders now, here's Mike Keller. I will not get high and I never get stained When we saddle up and ride them in the pouring rain The outsiders, or when the riders Or when the ones burning rubber up our tires Yeah, when the fighters Hey, welcome in on a Tuesday afternoon. This is the Mike Keller Show. Welcome aboard as we roll through the post-eclipse-ellipse Tuesday. Not quite an apocalypse, not post-apocalypse, but post-eclipse-ellipse, which John has been really excited for. I'm Mike Keller. That's John Audius. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? There's uh, some news just breaking in on the Green Bay Packers. Vince Beagle won't be cleared to go yet again this week. They're really going to be careful with the uh, Liz Frank fracture in his foot. They'll take their time in getting him cleared to play there was NFL football last night. <clears throat> so here's here's the deal as I listen to all of the national people talk about the Odell Beckham hit last night. Um, I, I guess when I'm thinking about exhibition football, there, there are two things that we need to take in, into consideration. One, I think we all recognize that they don't need to play four games. It's a money grab by each of the individual NFL teams, and the commissioner's office allows for it to be there. And the sooner it goes away, the better for everybody. For everybody involved. The sooner they eliminate two games. And the only reason they haven't done it is not player finances, it is owner finances. That's a huge hurdle to get over. So if you just understand the concept of four exhibition games, that is an owner's model. It is a financial model of which they can't afford, in their world, to lose a home gate. That's what they lose. They lose one by cutting the exhibition season in half from four to two. And the owners just need to be pushed over the edge on that to be done with it. Eliminate the second, the, the first two exhibition games. Start the exhibition season this week. Training camp then can start just a touch later, and you only have two exhibition games. Shoot, in college, which is another big money sport in college football, they don't play a- an exhibition game at all. So they don't need it. That being said, if that hit on Odell Beckham happened in the first exhibition of two, like later this week, if you had trimmed it down to two games, there is nothing wrong with the hit. 
I hear uh, it's it's equal. I hear some saying there's nothing wrong with a hit. I hear others vilifying it. Stop hitting at the knee. Where are they supposed to hit? This dude's trying to make a roster. Trying to make an impression on the coaches. If he tries to hit higher and he misses, or he tries to hit high and he hits the head and gets a 15-yard penalty, then coaches are upset. If he tries to hit in a different spot, he's just trying to hit him. Trying to make a tackle. Now, if he led with the crown of the helmet, that's a different story. I have a different opinion on that. But that tackle, there's nothing wrong with. If he had tried to go for the hip and missed or bounced off, and he goes to the sideline and the coaches say, what the hell was that? Well, I didn't want to hit him in the knee. Hit him in the knee. Hit him where you can hit him. Don't leave with a crown of the helmet. But hit him where you can hit him. That's what you're taught to do. Kids trying to make the team. And then the Odell Beckham side of this. I watched him. You know, the MRIs today, right, John? I mean, we should find out something here soon on... Sure. So the MRIs today. So I'm not going to minimize what I don't know. But Odell Beckham Jr. was fully aware. Did, do you agree with me on this? When he was running up the tunnel and towards the locker room, he knew there was a camera on him. Oh, yeah, he knew. So he collapses as though something were dramatically wrong. Like, I, I don't know, you know, like like heart murmurs. Like he was having some, there was something major going on. He knew the camera was there. He, he jogged, is a diva. He jogged to the tunnel and then he got in the tunnel. I don't know if you noticed. I'm sure he noticed the camera. And then he got down. Yes. Like on one knee. Like He is a drama queen. King, queen, prince, whatever. He's filled with drama. Great receiver. Filled with drama. I mean, honestly, I know they're all wired a little bit differently. But could you see Jordy Nelson dropping down there in the tunnel like that? No, he just would have limped to the locker room. Yes. Yeah. Also, knowing there's a camera there. Sure, yeah. Come on, man. That that part of it drove me crazy. So there's a little bit of that going on. Uh, Brewers did not have an offensive night last night, so they just never got a bat going. And uh, there will be nights like that. There haven't been many uh, that have been that distinct. And uh, there haven't been many in favor of San Francisco in that way either. But it was one of those. So we'll see if they uh, they jump back into the fray tonight with Jimmy Nelson on the mound, and then a uh, an afternoon a matinee in San Francisco tomorrow that will begin um, about two forty five Central Time tomorrow. So welcome in on a Tuesday afternoon, John. Go ahead. This is the Big Two at two. The top two trending sports stories this hour. Number two. Hey, a note from Badger football: Troy Fumagalli, AP All American, second team. How about that preseason Good. AP All America team? Um, and uh, this note, too, Badger Football has announced that they will be playing UCLA in 2029 and 2030 in a home-and-home home series. Which one's at uh, Camp Randall? Did you know that? John, I have not looked at the, at the home dates for 12 years from now. So that's what that, that is, 12 years from now? 2029 at Camp Randall. John, I will be, I believe I'll be fully eligible for Social Security at that oh, I'm point. sorry, 2030 at Camp Randall. Well, I know I'll be fully el- eligible then. 
It's so for funny. social security. Can Avi drive you to that game? She could probably. Yeah. yeah. If she, yeah. yeah. If she, you know, sticks to the schedule here, she'll She's be 16. Four, she'll be 16 and have her driver's license. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Like, cool. I'm going to be almost 50. It's just, it's just kind of a weird announcement, right? Like it's neat, yeah. but it's so far in the future. It's like, to me, and I know it's only 12 years only, it's over a decade. To me, they might as well just been announced like uh, Wisconsin football will play Alabama in 2050. We could be. We, <laughs> it sounds the same to me. We could be three presidents removed from President Trump by the time that happens. We could have flying cars. We might have flying cars. What will cell phones be like? I wonder if Aaron Rodgers will still be playing. He'll be retired, and who's the next Packers Hall of Famer? That's 12 years in advance, this announcement. It's so funny. It literally sounds like, to me, it sounds like they're basically announcing 2100. Like, it sounds like the future. So the players that will be playing in that game for Wisconsin are currently 6, 7, 8, and 9 years old. Yep. Right? 14 years from now. Let's get excited for these 8-year-olds. Can't 12, wait to 12 watch. Years, 12 years Go watch now. the 8-year-olds now, and then in 2029, those, maybe that guy will be playing. Those 8-year-olds will be all Americans in uh, in the Wisconsin-UCLA game in 2029. Oh, it's just so far away. I found that funny. Um, also, Badger football ranked ninth in the preseason AP poll. So how excited should fans be about being ranked ninth? You know what fans should be it, it get a little anxious about uh, when ratings come out? This is, how I, this is how I view this. Tell me how nuts I am about this, John. Would you please? Um, I think fans should only get excited about rankings when their team is underrated. That's what I do. I get fired up when Wisconsin isn't ranked in the college basketball preseason top 25 or Wisconsin football is not ranked in the preseason top 25 or they're underranked, they're 24th or 25th when they belong 14th or 15th. And honestly, there's no real reason for that. In college football, some people will get anxious if, let's say, uh, uh, you know, let's take it back to a year ago. Preseason, I think Wisconsin is uh, in the 20s a year ago. And I was bothered by it to a certain extent. Other people were bothered by it. Well, it's hard to get in the playoff when you start. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. For Wisconsin to be in the college football playoff. Shoot, John, last year they lost two games. And had they beaten Penn State, they're on the precipice of being in the college football playoff. They're in that conversation. And they lost twice. Yep. So the idea that they start at nine, giving them an upper hand where the college football playoff is concerned, no. Not if they lose to Northwestern. Not if they lose at BYU. But here's 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 where someone would come back and say, and I, I'm with you. Listen, the co- college football committee is going to make their final four, their final four, and they're not going to, you know, they're going to do it their way. But it, would it not be harder for them? I mean, if Wisconsin loses, their only way in, perhaps, is a Big Ten championship game and beating a good opponent. But But if Wisconsin starts ninth, and they keep winning, and by the end of the year, they're a top-four team. And um, then they lose, they're not in. Right. But but doesn't that make them... I mean, they're in the conversation anyway, right? But isn't it harder to leave them? It depends on what everybody else is doing. I mean, if there's like five or six undefeated teams... And there never is. Yeah, I mean, it could... Don't you think it could help them in the uh, in, in the fact that maybe a committee member doesn't necessarily use the rankings, 
but they know that the Badgers are a top-ranked team. I, I just I do it this way. I think of it this way, John. Ratings give us something to talk about, gives fans something to talk about, but from an effective standpoint, as far as determining their future and what they'll do uh, at the end of the season, I think it is moot. I think that's all determined by what you do on the field. Uh, here, I'll state it this way. If Wisconsin right now is ranked 25th, and they go 11-1, and one, and then with the, win the Big Ten championship game, they're in the college football playoff. If they start the season ranked 9th, and they go 11-1 and one, and win the Big Ten championship game, they're going to the playoff. If they go 11-1 and one and lose the Big Ten championship game, they're not going to the playoff. And both scenarios, one with them ranked 9th, one with them ranked 25th, I think the same end result based on what they do on the field. But, I mean, Penn State started lower in the standings, and, you know, they won the Big Ten championship game, and there were people wondering, well, should Penn State get in? But if Penn State had started ninth in the season, and, you know, don't you think they'd be higher up in the rankings, and would there be less conversation about whether or not Penn State deserved to be in? You know, if you come out of nowhere, and then you win it, kind of like Penn State, isn't it different than if you started top ten, and you have some hiccups, and then you win it, and you work your way back up? Well, no, because Penn State lost to Pitt in the second game of the season, and then they lost 49-10 to at Michigan. So regardless of what their preseason ranking was, they started 2-2. Two and two, And then they had to win an overtime game against Minnesota. So until October the 8th, nobody thought twice about Penn State. And even if they were ranked preseason top 10... That's what I'm wondering. In, in Week 2, when they lose at Pitt... Now they're going to drop into the low teens. And then two weeks later, when they get pummeled 49-10 to at Michigan, they're going to drop out of the top 25. Or, or right at the edge of that top 25. Right at 25. the edge. Yeah. So, and then the, but, those but wins don't do as much. <clears throat> they get them right back to where they were. But if, you're, like, if, 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 the people, if the committee respects you enough and the rankings respect you enough where they say, this is a good team. We think this is a good team. Good teams don't you, get beat 49-10. But you have hiccups and you work your way back. Don't no, you no, think no. Penn State would be... Good teams can get beat 49-45 mm-hmm. or 35-31. Good teams don't get beat 49-10. That worked against Penn State the rest of the year. That and the fact that they needed overtime at home to beat a very average now, I'm Minnesota not talking team. specifically about what Penn State did I last year. I know, but you year. use I'm, them I'm, as an example, and I'm just using you saying that and say by showing their schedule and that it really got determined by what they did on the field, right? regardless but, of the number next to their name before the season Well, began. let's say it's a team that maybe they lost differently than Penn State did. And the same scenario unfolded. I guess. Don't you think they get more respect if they start top ten as opposed to not? No, like, and, and here's why I would say that Wisconsin didn't start top ten, and they lost a tough game at Michigan and a tough home game against Ohio State. But they got a lot of credit for beating LSU. They got a lot of credit for winning at Michigan State. So I think the credit is granted even by the by the committee and by the AP in what you do on the field. The only time I'm bothered by the ratings is the preseason ratings that I get bothered by for a minute, and then I remind myself, it will work itself out. Uh, quick call from Rick in Fitchburg. Hi, Rick. Hello. Uh, I'd just like to make a comment. I'm going to be 73 next month, and I really don't care who the Badgers are playing in 14 years. <laughs> Secondly, on this preseason game thing, I... There has to be some way to make the owners pay if players get hurt. So how about everybody that plays in a preseason game is under a guaranteed contract? 
Yeah, well, good luck with that idea uh, of trying to get it through with the, with the NFL owners in a collective bargaining. The, the guys playing in the preseason have nothing guaranteed. This is the ultimate gladiator season in the National Football League because these players aren't being paid. Their contracts don't kick in until the first week of the season. They're all essentially, this is gratis. You know, they're, they're getting a, a basic stipend, essentially. And it's a gladiator sport. And to the caller's point, guaranteed money doesn't exist in the NFL, and that's why there will be a work stoppage in 2021. Yep. They're going to fight over it, and it could get ugly. They and should. Four years down the road, they should. I agree with I them. I totally agree. Totally agree with that concept. So However, to, yeah. you're going to have to be prepared four years from now. Let's talk all about future stuff today. Yeah, yeah. Four years from now, you have to be prepared to not be talking about the NFL, maybe at all. It's kind of weird, but I mean, when you see that graphic during this summer when like the top three or four NBA free agents make more money than the top 20 NFL starting quarterbacks or whatever, like more guaranteed cash. Uh, football players look at that stuff and they say, wait a second, who's making $30 million a year in the NFL and I'm struggling to get 15 guaranteed? This is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, there. let's let's talk about 2021. Or when is that, 2020 or 2021? Yeah. Hey, uh, let's do our number one when we come back because we're way, way... This is the longest segment we've ever had in the 2 o'clock hour ever? to start the show. Yes. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll so the, wait. So when we come back, how much consideration should Craig Council get for NL Manager of the Year? Okay. Tackle that next. Sounds great. This is the Mike Heller Show. You want to do this uh, number one? you go ahead oh you want me to do the number yeah, one go ahead you okay go ahead. all right, all right. Yep. Uh, since we took so long in the last segment it's time for number one number one number one on our big two o'clock hour mike how much consideration does craig council how should he get for manager of the year in the nl uh i think well let's let it play out obviously but we're having this conversation now so let's hypothetical the deal and have the brewers in the hunt until the final week of the season and maybe even a playoff team if that were the case, then I think that there is a conversation to be had. So here, here's what I would do. Now, part of this is money-based. Uh, the Dodgers spend a ton more money on their roster than the Brewers. That is not the end-all, be-all. The Brewers have a current payroll of $82 million. The Dodgers have a current payroll of $260 million. So you got a $180 million gap in between what the Dodgers pay and what the Brewers pay. Now, money isn't the end-all, be-all. That's my point. Let me ask you this, John. Can I, can I do this with you? Would, you? would you mind playing a little game with me on this? All right, let's play it. All right, so if I said you can make this deal, would you trade straight up the following positions? Yasmani Grandel or Manny Pena, the catcher? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, what? I need to ask what if I mean. you're the Dodgers, would you trade oh, Grandal thought, I, for Pena? I thought you meant if I was the Brewers. No, I'm just going to go around the the. Well, why don't you just go through them all? I mean, would you, who's make your point? Grandal, Pena, Cody Bellinger, or Eric Thames, Utley or Logan Forsythe for whoever the Brewers' second baseman is. 
Corey Seager or Orlando Arcia, Justin Turner or Travis Shaw. Unless you think that that's an automatic that you would trade, check out what Turner's doing on the year. Mm-hmm. And Turner is having a spectacular year. 341, 17 homers, 60 runs batted in. They have I mean, a lot of good players. Yeah, my point is, even if you go around the outfield, they just acquired Curtis Granderson. <laughs> my goodness. Yasiel Puig doesn't even play every day. Any of these guys you trade sta- straight up for who the Brewers? Would the Dodgers make a deal? At what position would they make a deal? And I guess my argument would be is that they wouldn't. And then you look at their rotation. Their rotation is spectacular. Ryu, Maida, Wood, Hit. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And then guys right now that are on the short DL, Kershaw, you Darvish. What are we talking about here? At nearly every position and through the depth of every position, you would take the Dodgers starter over the Brewers starter. So when you do that, then you say, what is Dave Roberts as a manager? What strings is he having to pull? He's got a, he's got a better lineup almost every day than every opposition. Almost every day. And a better pitcher almost every day. Now, I don't want to take away from Dave Roberts because not all greatly talented teams win, especially at the, at the pace that the Dodgers are winning. But when somebody says, oh, this is easy, just look at the numbers, that's a no-brainer, it's not a no-brainer. You have to look at how they manage. Now, if I wanted to reward the Dodgers for winning 115 times this year, which is what they're on pace to do, I would give a ton of credit to their general manager's office, to their player personnel department, executive of the year concept. I, I think if I were looking at the manager or the coaching job, I want to look at what the manager or coach is having to do. And Craig Council is having to do a lot. He's having to manage with a lot less. So when the groceries are there, now Council is in the kitchen preparing a pretty decent meal. And the groceries that are provided in the Dodgers clubhouse, any chef would love to work in that kitchen. Sure, yeah, and I agree. And I think... Craig Council will and probably should get some consideration if this hypothetical situation played itself out where the Brewers win 85 to 88 games and win the division and make the playoffs and what they did it with and having the lowest payroll in baseball. And I think he should get some consideration. But if we're going to play the hypothetical, then we're going to have to play out what the Dodgers are going to be doing. 
And the Dodgers win over 110 games. They're on pace at yesterday. As of yesterday, it was like 115.5. Yeah. So round up to 116. Um, I think the ridiculous amount of wins would put Roberts over the top for sure. Why Roberts and not the GM? Well, I mean, if you look at the history of Manager of the Year, that award, specifically with teams winning 100 or more games, which is kind of a rare deal, right? The Yankees won 114 and 98. They had the Manager of the Year. The Mariners won 116 and Major League Baseball record in 2001. Lou Pinella won Manager of the Year. The Giants, going back to the early 90s, won 103 times. Manager of the year. The Astros, 102 times once in the late 90s. My point is, you win over 100 games. I think you have to get credit, even if you have a great roster. It's it's making sure that that roster competes at that high of a level, day in and day out, is something that I think sometimes, as fans, we underestimate. And listen, council should definitely get consideration. And, and I would look at it if I was voting. And then I would say but I can't overlook 115 wins or 113 or 112 or whatever that final number is. Now, if the Dodgers go like 95 and whatever, I think, boom, I would probably give even more consideration to Craig Council. And in fact, in that, if that scenario on play uh, played itself out and the Dodgers just fall on their face down the stretch here and they win like 95 times, which is only like seven more wins the rest of the way, then then yeah, go ahead, give it to council. But they've already got 88 wins. They already have more than the Brewers will probably win all year. I know. I guess we probably, uh, if, if you had to watch it on a daily basis and if you saw that Dave Roberts is constantly having to make moves and that he's been brilliant in his hit-and-run philosophies and the times when he chooses to play small ball and he manages the pitching staff incredibly well, but, John, and when you're rolling out a lineup that is just better than everybody else's lineup every day, I don't know how much credit, how much over the top I want to give credit to the manager. Does council have to make the playoffs? To what? Win manager of the year or be, at least have that consideration. Yeah, probably. Not, okay, okay, you know, okay. Because there's two different ways to look at this. One, in the way you predict it's going to go, just in judging how voters have voted in the past and how, um, you know what we usually get in college football. The Heisman Trophy is almost always the best quarterback on a really good team. Right. That's usually how it goes. So understanding how manager of the year voting typically goes, when a team's going to win the number of games the Dodgers are going to win, that guy's going to win it. So we can predict it, and right. I predict that Dave Roberts wins it. However, if you said who should get stronger consideration, I, I think Craig Council has had to do a lot more, and if they make the playoffs... <laughs> He would get stronger consideration. Now, okay, and I and I agree, but is there a flaw in thinking that way? Because let's say they win 86 times and make the playoffs, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, man, he should get some consideration. We are partially giving him consideration because of what the Cubs didn't do. You know, if they win 86 times and the Cubs win 96 or 97 like they're supposed to or whatever, like many expect, then we'd say, man, the Craig Council had a great year. Just missed the playoffs. But because the Cubs, in this hypothetical situation, weren't as good as everyone thought, and then the Brewers slide into that spot like, hey, we're in the playoffs with 86 wins. Then all of a sudden, Council gets more credit. Isn't there a little bit of a flawed logic there? No, it isn't, because I know you don't like this, but some of it is based on 
an analytical approach to how good your roster is. How many games should this roster win? The Brewers roster should win. I think the preseason views of them were about 73 to 75, 76 wins. If they better that by 10 or 11, and the Cubs were under their predicted total by 3 or 4, now we have a different basis to look at. Now, using that same logic, the Dodgers would far better their anticipated win total, probably plus 20. So I get it. Now, if you ask me who's going to win manager of the year, I think it's done. You ask me who I think should get more consideration, Craig Council should get more consideration. In other words, I think he should finish second, maybe third, because I think he's done a ton. That's, I guess that would be my point. I wouldn't lobby too strong for him to win it because I get the Dave Roberts concept. I'm just trying to paint a slightly different view of it. 877-729-1070 if you want to jump in. 877-729-1070. Back with more in a moment. This is the Mike Heller Show. Can I ask you a question? We have a call it too. What's the yes, deal with the, Yes, we do. What's the deal with Rob Vogel from Lucas in the Morning? Do you see what he did today? Well, I saw the the uh, Target Field poster is back up in the window. Yeah, hard to miss. Yeah, he put it was back. Was there up. something else he did? Well, that he uh, wrote something here on this baseball. A little note to you and I it says oh, to Mike and John, "Thanks for worshiping me, but knock off the stocking." Rob Vogel. How much can you buy a baseball like that for? What's the value of, of that kind of a baseball? It's like uh, seven ten, bucks or ten I bucks. Was say like eight that. to ten bucks, maybe. Yeah. I don't now know. it's about a buck fifty. Yeah, it dropped dramatically. Add on top of all that, he tweeted at Mike Heller Show, or he tweeted somewhere. Maybe tweeted at John Audius Radio. At Heller Sports, at John Audius Radio. He tweeted. Who yeah. else could write out lineup, sit back, and wait for player to hit two run home run as only means of scoring? Hashtag Buntum Craig. So when you talk about managing lineups, Vogel's point is, I know, Council did a great job telling those guys to go hit home runs. Right. Yeah. Good point, Rob. Um, The Brewers are right at the average of sacrifice bunts in Major League Baseball this year. The Brewers lead the National League in stolen bases. They probably have the fewest innings out of their starting rotation of anybody in Major League Baseball this year. The lineup has changed consistently continuously throughout the season, having to do different things. Different guys uh, in the leadoff spot has been transformed all year long, having to plug Hernan Perez in without having him have a steady position. Yeah, you're right, Rob. The idea that he doesn't bunt as much as you would like to in Little League Baseball, Rob, yeah, that's a great way to view him. That's a great way to view it. And I I would ask Rob Vogel again, if you wanted to take the Dodgers lineup, and which of those places, which of those positions in the lineup with their general manager, Farhan Zaidi, which ones would he trade for the Milwaukee Brewers' equivalent starter? How many? I'll wait for your answer. Because there are none. Maybe one. Maybe one. Otherwise, they're not going to. And the $180 million salary difference between the two also tells you a little bit about their roster makeup. So you go ahead and you talk about your Buntum Craig concept and keep your rootless stadium open for rainouts 
and then come talk to me when you get some facts. Let's go to telephone lines. Waiting, patient. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Adam from Monroe, I believe. Hey, Adam. Hi, Adam. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. I'm better now. <laughs> All right. Mike, my, my thing that I was calling about was the... Uh, the manager of the year award. Yeah. And I don't want to swing either direction between Roberts and Council. I think both have their reasonings, and I think both you and John kind of laid those out. But one thing I wanted to bring up you didn't talk about was how good the Diamondbacks and the Rockies have been this year in the NLS. Neither manager was mentioned, and they're working with a heck of a lot less than the Dodgers are, and yet both teams are by far most likely going to end up in the wild card. And I wanted to throw that in the mix. Not only those two managers, but also a tip of the cap to Dave Roberts. That's the toughest division in baseball. And he's got two of the four best teams in the NL right now that he has to play against a couple times uh, a month. And here they go, and they're just walloping everybody. Hey, that's a good point. Didn't look at the uh, the division that each manages in. That, that has to factor in a little bit, too, right? Well, sure, yeah. Without question. Listen, the, the Rockies have been uh, enormously successful. They're a roster that um, that scores a ton of runs. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if you've got an outfield, Charlie Blackman has been spectacular. Carlos Gonzalez has been spectacular. Trevor Story doesn't get talked about. But uh, Nolan Arenado at third base has been uh, amazing. They acquired Lucroy at the trade deadline, they have a lot of very, very uh, good players who are established players. And again, if you take it back to, to the concept of established players, typically means that your payroll will reflect that. Their payroll is $140 million, $139. Um, and and that, that's a big payroll when you compare it to... Uh, they're right at the mean. Uh, Colorado is 17th in baseball in payroll. The Brewers are 30th. So I don't mean to make it all about money, so I know somebody's out there, it's not all about money. Um, but a lot of it is about money. We're talking about under-established players with the Brewers, guys who are trying to make their mark in Major League Baseball. Because even there, their payroll is skewed by two guys who aren't producing, Matt Garza and Ryan Braun. Braun has, has really not done a great deal at all. And between he and Garza... They make up the vast majority of that payroll. Everybody else is making a pittance. And it's uh, been a very successful team based on the dollars per wins. Really successful. Was it last night frustrating in the sense that you can't, you can't even score? Like Davies runs. What, how long? Two yeah, iron runs, yeah. six hits. They score just two times and you can't even... 
That kind, those you, we talked about it before. Those types of losses are piling up big time here in the second half of the season. Those close games, those two-run games, those low-scoring games. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I just view it a little bit differently. I, I think a, a lot of those losses that, that like they suffered against Pittsburgh and the Minnesota Twins, those were, those were really discouraging. Last night's just one of those nights that the bats aren't there. And I, I'm not as discouraged with a night like last night as I am in that Pittsburgh series or the Minnesota series in games that you thought they could, should win, and didn't last night they just never never really got it going had some deeper counts earlier in the game had a couple of early opportunities and then everything else seemed to be nothing i don't know that they hit a ball hard last night it wasn't one of those nights where you hit the ball hard and you just hit it right at somebody they hit a lot of weak ground balls they hit a lot of weak fly balls they just um for whatever reason uh Never got untracked offensively last night at all. True or false? Yeah. You stayed up for the whole thing. Uh, I stayed up until two outs in the top of the eighth inning. Ryan Braun, I believe, was at the so, plate with so two false. outs. So the, the answer I did false. not stay okay. up okay. for yeah. the duration. Just curious, because you were going to text me. Weren't you? Weren't yeah, but I text? wasn't going to text you, because right, 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 you, right. you were sleeping. I wouldn't do that yeah. to you. Thank you. So I stayed up until two outs in the top of the eighth. So of the Brewers' 27 outs last night, I saw 23 of them. You know what's? I, I tuned in at like 7.30. I'm like, where are the Brewers? What's this all about? Oh, yeah, I've got oh, like yeah. two hours to yeah. go. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Late start. Come Late on. start in San Francisco. Uh, all right, and another one tonight, and then a matinee tomorrow, 2.45. Right about this time, first pitch tomorrow in San Francisco. Drew Olson is going to jump aboard. He'll join us when we come back. Also, in the next hour of the program, Bill Huber, PackerReport.com. This is The Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get Hey, welcome in on the Mike Heller Show Tuesday afternoon. We've got uh, some ground to cover today. I'm fond of that phrase. We do, though, with uh, Brewers last night. Some conversation about Manager of the Year, which we can explore a little deeper with uh, one of the voters who joins us here momentarily. Also, NFL preseason football last night, an injury to Odell Beckham Jr. And about that hit, we'll get there. And why can't they just... Sometimes when you see something that's wrong in sports why it is not a simpler deal to just get it fixed now we sometimes disagree on something that's wrong right but i'm wondering who is other than 32 nfl owners who's on the side of four exhibition games like who believes that's a really good idea other than 
the 32 ownership groups in the National Football League who, if they went to two exhibition games, would lose a full home gate, concessions, parking, and all of the other monies that go along with it. And that's free money in the NFL because they're not really paying their players during the exhibition season. In other words, most of you know the contracts don't kick in until the regular season kicks in. So they're paying about the lowest that you can imagine them paying in the exhibition from the time camp begins in late July until the first week of the NFL season when that roster is announced on September, whatever that date is, the 5th or 6th, uh, for the games of that, of that weekend or opening day rosters. That's when money kicks in. So when you see something wrong in sports, and everybody, I mean, is, am I missing something? Somebody telling me that I'm missing something on that we wouldn't all agree and applaud if the NFL went to two exhibition games? So when you see something that's wrong, you'd love to just be able to fix it, but they're not going to fix it. It will get fixed at, at its earliest in the new collective bargaining agreement, which will be in 2021, which is about eight years before Wisconsin's announced home-and-home home series with the UCLA gets underway. Uh, which was announced earlier this afternoon, for 2029 and 2030. By the way, the game at Camp Randall, if you want to save the date, is in September of 2030. So just write that down. We're three presidents removed from the current president by the time we get to there, in all likelihood. Uh, And one of the candidates may may very well be Drew Olson. Hi, Drew. I can run for president. I'm old enough. Um, I'd probably be disqualified though. <laughs> Background checks would probably get me oh, there. Yeah. We'll be well, three presidents and another eclipse away from the Badgers playing right. the Bruins. Yeah, yeah, nice. And uh, and I think I get my full Social Security uh, by the time they would play the first of those. <laughs> oh, that's huge. Uh, John's daughter Avi can drive him to Camp Randall Stadium for that uh, you know Saturday game. Hey fellas, what's four. up? Yeah, hey fellas, what's up? Yeah, so she'll be sixteen. Driving around in the flying car. Uh, also announced that, that you now fans can now they'll be able to park their flying cars in the new flying car lot for that game in 2030 yeah, at Camp which Randall. Is adjacent to lot 17. Yes. It's above lot 17. <laughs> it's above, yeah. You can also now use your memory chips um, to check into the game. Yeah, so they're no implanted more, in, yeah. Your, uh, in your wrist. So you just walk right in, it'll yeah. scan your memory chip. Right. Yeah. And you're in. And you're in. Mm hmm. So that's a couple of other announcements they made today. <laughs> <laughs> so far away. They might as well have said, we're going to play UCLA in 2075, because that's what it feels like to me. 2029 and 2030 feels like 2075. I can remember when they said the U.S. Open was going to be at Aaron Hills, and it seemed like a long way away. And <laughs> yeah. and just, it was we were there. there. Yeah, yep. certainly. Just like the Ryder Cup in 2020. Like, how long has that been announced? It's coming up. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Drew, I don't know if you saw this last night, but I had just a, a, a single back-and-forth tweet with uh, Tom Hardycourt, and uh, you were part of the mix there. Did you see that? I did not, no. Yeah, because uh, he was he was tweeting about the... Uh, the Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. 
Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Automated strike zone, and I said uh, that uh, the commissioner and Drew Olson are in cahoots to keep it from happening, and Tom Hardicourt said, it's coming, buddy, it's coming. So, Yeah, what does Rob Manfred know about it? <laughs> Hardicourt runs baseball. Uh, he does. Hardicourt and the other writers the do. The commissioner in waiting. The real commissioner. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so we, uh, John, if you don't, I mean, if you don't mind, you, we should just push buttons and start doing stuff. This is the Big Three at Three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. Here is what's trending. Odell Beckham. The hit on Odell Beckham last night was, you can fill in the blank here, was what? A football play. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Drew. That's it. What else is it? Why is everybody freaking out about it? Then? Oh, man, they don't want receivers to get hit in the knees or below the waist, but they don't want them to get hit in the head, and then receivers say, no, hit me in the head. What does Free say? You've talked to Freeman about this. Yeah, I mean, those you you get nervous when guys go at your legs on a, like crackback situations and stuff, but I don't think he has any problem with tackles. I mean, going, come, yeah, going for the legs you know they're supposed you, to, you rather that than the head hunting. Yeah, you know what you could see? You could see, I mean, the league continues to move in these directions. You could see um, below-the-knee hits on a defenseless receiver. You could see a rule come into play at some point down the road, you know, keeping in mind the defenseless receiver concept. You could see a rule coming into play at some point that below-the-knee impact on defenseless receivers would be flagged. But as it stands right now, I have no problem with the hit. It's a football play. It's a guy trying to make a roster. He wasn't headhunting. He didn't leave with the crown of his helmet. He didn't launch. He didn't missileize it. Um, I, I just thought it was a football play. This kind of makes you think about preseason games in general. Like, stars are playing. There's so many of them. It seems like there shouldn't be that many preseason games. And superstars... If you're established, I don't know if I want you playing in preseason games. Giants fans holding their breath as Odell as they're watching those replays unfold with Odell Beckham getting hit. Why? So he can run a couple of routes in the preseason and take a hit to the knee? What's the point? Yeah. No, they made me think of that too. Like just how meaningless and how if you're a superstar and established and you know what's going on, I don't I I'm getting closer and cl- like I'm o- I'm open to the idea of just playing a little bit, but when I see stuff like that, I'm like, why? I mean, what's the point? What's how's Odell Beckham going to get better? Well, and, and then the other thing is, it goes back to what I was talking about off the top. There's no need, and is there? Am I missing something for either one of you from your perspective? Is there anybody that's bothered if the NFL goes to two exhibition games other than the owner's pocketbook? Stadium vendors and bar owners and parking lot attendants, perhaps. Other than that, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch preseason football. Aside from the Packers, no. well, and only for like the first it is half. Well. Simply a cash grab in the National Football League. You know, we talk about it. We get bothered by well, cash grabs. That's a cash grab. He, here's the thing, though, Mike, and to to shorten the preseason to two games. You know, they're going to tack those two games onto the regular season. So we're going to be right back where we were. So those people will be made whole. And then we won't have an issue. Okay, but in a perfect world, we wouldn't do that, right? We would eliminate the two exhibition games and keep the regular season at 16 games. And I really think this, Drew, that the Players Association is not going to be okay with extending the regular season by two games. That's a big move. How about, 
How about one regular season game added and one playoff round? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Give more teams buys or expand the playoffs? Do you really want two more teams in the playoffs or four more teams in the playoffs? You already have. What do you have? have, I would. You have 12 Playoffs are the the best uh, product. Yeah, but then, okay, then you have 16 of the 32 teams in the playoffs? Then it's getting to the NBA. Like half, half the league, league makes yeah. the playoffs. Um, Vikings might play in the postseason. They'll be in the postseason <laughs> all the time, maybe. Number two. Number two in our big three at three. How excited should football fans be about the uh, Badgers being ranked ninth in the AP preseason poll? Guys? Well, here's what I think you should be excited about. that The team has um, some attention and uh, deserved respect. Beyond that, and other than a conversation piece for talk shows like this and others and people to write about, it means nothing. And the reason it ultimately means nothing is that college football does get decided in the games that will be played on 12 Fridays and Saturdays throughout the season. You know, last year Wisconsin wasn't ranked this high, and yet had they beaten Penn State, I don't know if they'd have gotten in, but they'd have been right on the edge of being in the college football playoff. And they lost twice and weren't ranked highly when the season began. So that they're ranked ninth is an honor to be respected at that level. And after that, it will mean almost nothing. What they do at BYU, home against Northwestern, at Nebraska, later games against Iowa and Michigan and Minnesota, those will decide their fate, not their number nine ranking right now. It's hard to get excited about preseason polls, but again, Mike, for old guys like you and me, the idea that the Badgers are in the preseason top 10 in football, think about that when we were growing up. You talk about flying cars. Yeah, it just <laughs> just remote possibility. Yeah, I'm going to go to I'm going to have lunch on Mars with Santa Claus. Yeah. That's about how realistic that would have seemed. Yep, it's but true. But are we jaded now? I mean, I guess yes, be excited about it, but realize that it's not really that meaningful. But it's better than the alternative. I, I love it. I love that they're getting the respect, and I love that the program has arrived at a level where they can be top 15, top 20 every year, and occasionally top 10 in preseason. That's that's spectacular. It is uncharted territory from when we were growing up. That was a foreign concept. And that's where they are, and that's really cool. And it also means that the games mean a lot. You know, it, it means a lot. Even though Utah State is not very good coming in, that game means something because as a ninth-ranked team in the country, you have a target on your back, and everything you do is looked at by others. And uh, it is important. It, you know what it is? Barry has said this for many years. You want your name to be your team, your school's name, to appear on the crawl uh, on the mothership. So when they're doing top 25 scores, you always want to be there. If they list the the new coaches poll or AP ranking when it comes out on Sunday night, and they only list the top 10 on the crawl. You want to be there. That brand recognition is important. And that's, that's why I think it's cool. Number one. How much consideration should Brewers manager Craig Council get for NL Manager of the Year? I would start with the second place vote. That's the kind of consideration he should get. He should be in the conversation with Bud Black. He should be in the conversation 
uh, with the the next layer. Dave Roberts, because of the 115, 116, whatever that number the Dodgers are going to get to, um, he's going to get that. And he probably deserves it. Although I was trying to make the comparison earlier, which position would the Dodgers make a straight-up trade for? Drew, I mean, would they any of the positions that the Dodgers would go ahead and take their guy and ship him to Milwaukee for our guy, straight up, no other considerations Boy. given? I'm not seeing one. Probably I not. I don't think there is. So in that regard, understand that they have a, a roster that when Dave Roberts makes out his lineup every night, it's better on paper than the opposing lineup every night. That isn't very often the case when Craig Council makes out his lineup card. So that's the part I would say um, is is the huge discrepancy. The other part of that, part two, is I would still vote Dave Roberts on the number one line. But when and I don't know how you vote for this, Drew. Do you vote? Is there a second and third place? You vote. On this? Yeah, you vote for the top three. You vote so, for your three, and they're weighted. Would the, Craig the Council be in your top three? At this point, it's too close to call because you're right, Dave Roberts. What he's done last year, Dave Roberts and Joe Madden were uh, number one and two. Dave Roberts was a rookie manager. He had the narrative, right? They made the playoffs. They were exciting. He had the narrative. That's what we like. Craig Council's narrative is that the Brewers weren't supposed to do anything, and they were in first place for a big chunk of the year. If the Brewers make the postseason, Craig Council cracks the top three. If not, I don't think that he has a chance because you're forgetting like Dusty Baker, Bud Black, Tori Lavulo. You almost have to make the playoffs to be in the top three, basically. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way people are going to look at it. I think he should definitely get some consideration if they make the postseason, and that's kind of what Drew was saying right there. If they if they make the postseason, you got to look at Craig Council and say they did a pretty good job for having if that. If they payroll. win the division over the Cubs, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I and mean, part of that's because the Cubs didn't play. If the Brewers win, you know, eighty six times, that means the Cubs won less than eighty six games, right? Or they lost yeah. in the playoff, which is kind of disappointing for Chicago for this season. But yeah, but if if the Dodgers win one hundred and ten. 112 games, 115. I don't know how you can. I think. I think I. That number trumps well, everything else. And you're going to say so does the 200 million dollar payroll they're running out there too, and right. they're, they're expected to win, right? And so, it's. I voted last year for manager of the year, and I voted for Dave Roberts. And after I sent it in, and after the season ended, I said ah, I should have voted for Joe Madden, because I thought Joe Madden was. Uh, I, Dave Roberts, they, they had some injuries, they overcame some things, but they plugged in expensive guys. And I thought, in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I thought if I had one game and I wanted to manage for all the, the Tostitos, I'd want Joe Madden, not Dave Roberts. I would take Joe Madden. He ended up winning all the Tostitos a couple uh, a couple weeks later. But it, we love the narratives in these things. And sometimes guys who have the big payrolls, like Bill Belichick, could be coach of the year every year, but he's not. Because we like the narratives. We like the rags-to-riches stories. We like those inspiring stories more than we like just tangible results. I think Phil Jackson only won one NBA Coach of the Year award. Because he had Michael Jordan and a good team. Yeah, that's certainly a part of it. Uh, Wisconsin announcing football scheduling down the road. Not just the 2029 and 2030 matchup home-and-home with UCLA, but others. We'll talk about the merits of future scheduling and what Wisconsin has put out there. We'll visit on that when we come back. This is the Mike Heller Show.
So some major announcements made if you're looking out of the future by Wisconsin football earlier today. They announced that in September, to be precise, September 15th, 2029, 12 years from now, Wisconsin will play football if the game still if the game is still being played. I mean, if they're still playing college football 12 years from now, Wisconsin will play at UCLA on September the 15th with a return date a year later on September the 7th. Make a note. September the 7th, 2030, UCLA will be at Camp Randall Stadium. Uh, The Badger players on the field that day will range from current 4th graders to current 8th graders. Is that right? 12 years? 13 years from now. 13, and 8th graders 14. No, that's way older. Um, Current, so at 13, current 5-year-olds to 10-year-olds. Something like that. That's right. That's who's on the field. And are, are, do we have any uh, charts of you know where those kids are ranked now? Do we have yeah. any rankings for the five and six well, year olds that'll John, be playing? And- what has Avi noticed? Does she have some uh, classmates in pre K that uh, that are showing considerable skills being recruited yet? Letters of uh, of interest, not, letters of intent, not quite visits? yet, not quite yet. But Could they're she almost be dating there. the starting quarterback for the twenty thirty game. I hope not. She'll be seventeen. He uh, might be a an, an incoming freshman. Okay, well then maybe. Jeez, it's so far away. Yeah. Uh, the other, the I think it's also interesting to note as you look at some of the scheduling that is already being done down the road that in, um, well, let's see, in twenty twenty three years from now, uh, Wisconsin will be in the first of back to back years of Syracuse home and home. And that's also the Notre Dame at Lambeau and then Notre Dame at Soldier Field. And also in 2021, Army is coming to Camp Randall Stadium, I think, is, is, which is really cool. To have a team from the Armed Forces on the Wisconsin schedule, I think, is fantastic. Uh, so that is October 16th, 2021, when Army comes to the University of Wisconsin. By the way, the year before, the Badgers will play Southern Illinois at home, and that is not an FBS team. Uh, that is... Um, you know, I mean, the, the Big Ten had that policy against non-bowl subdivision teams, but it's been lifted, and Southern Illinois is on the home schedule in 2020. Also down the road, Wisconsin will play at Hawaii on the Labor Day weekend of 2024. They get a home-and-home with Washington State down the road and a home-and-home with Virginia Tech down the road. So there's some notes as you roll forward. Football does that. I mean, they have to schedule so far out um, that, uh, you know, and and think of it this way as well. Next year, there's no road non-conference game. All three non-conference games, Western Kentucky, New Mexico, and BYU, will be in consecutive weeks at Camp Randall. There is no road game next year. Hmm. Quirks. A little quirky. That's cool. They're getting UCLA, though, even though it's... um that's, yeah. In the future, with flying cars and stuff. But it'll be cool, right? Still a good program. That Virginia Tech series? They haven't even awarded the World Cups that far out, or the Olympics. <laughs> no. Uh, that Virginia Tech series, I remember... Man, they must have announced that, I want to say in like 2010, that it was going to be 16 and 17. And I remember thinking, man, the Virginia Tech series is so far away. And then it got pushed back, and now it's like 20... When is Virginia Tech? Twenty twenty four or something like that. Yeah, it got it got moved a couple of times, I think. So yeah, it's twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. It's the just, Hokies. 
I think that was announced, like I said, in 2010. So that's something that just... In 2010, you thought it was going to happen. It won't happen until 2024. College football scheduling is weird is the point. Uh, you got to work on it well in advance. Uh, After the bottom of the hour, Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, will join us as one of our green and gold insiders. His Tuesday appearance coming up about 15 minutes from now. Uh, John, you asked a question uh, when we were talking about the show this morning about Wisconsin retiring numbers. And I think the tweet actually came from Armin Sarian, uh, who said it's weird that the Badgers have for basketball – on number 34. It all started from a Ben Wargelman tweet. Ben Wargel of BadgerNation.com. Just kind of a little recap. Like, Brad Davison's 23 points helped Wisconsin and its foreign trip with an 8371 win in Sydney, Australia. And Brad Davison, in case you didn't know, Badger fans, wears number 34. So Armin of the Big 920 retweets that Ben Wargel tweet and says, Badgers are issuing number 34 again? What's up with that noise? You know, Devin Harris at number 34. And Ben replied, you know, Wisconsin doesn't officially retire numbers, so everything's fair game. And Armin responded, seems odd to me. And it got me thinking, do you want Badgers, Badger football, Badger basketball? Do you want retired numbers at the University of Wisconsin? Um, Because Davidson probably wouldn't be wearing 34 by now. Yeah, I I guess I'm not bothered that they don't retire jersey numbers and hang them in the rafters. At Wisconsin, um, I think it might be cool if they if they did it. Uh, but if they did it, just think of how you know. How do you make that determination now? It's hard to do all in one fell swoop. Now, if you started it from the beginning and they began retiring numbers in the early 1950s, boy, the threshold has to be pretty darn high to begin with, because otherwise you'd run out of numbers unless you retire names. You know, you put the number and hang it in the rafters, but that number still gets worn. and Or maybe you just hang up the, the names. Um, there was a thing where Marquette, for a while, was talking about retiring the jersey, but not the number. Right. Because they change uniforms so much anyway these days. Sure, but yeah. no, it was that was when, uh, I think it was they brought George Thompson's number back into circulation for a little bit, and then they rectified that mistake. Yeah, you know, because if we're talking about either school's names and numbers being retired, there ends up being a, a pretty heavy list, right? I mean, Dwayne well, Wade at Marquette. You can go back to the Al McGuire teams of Bo Ellis and, and Butch Lee. And, you know, I don't know who you do and don't retire. Where Wisconsin is concerned, it might not be as long and rich of a history. It really, you know, the ain't, the older, much older numbers from back in the 1940s but then you go all the way to the late 1990s before you would consider names of significance with the potential to retire uniform numbers again. I don't know. You could start with Frank Kaminsky and just retire his and say uh, you have to be the national player of the year. Well, because like Michael Finley, would you retire Michael Finley's number? Right? If you're Wisconsin. I guess the point is, aren't you going to... Because of the turnover in the world of college sports, don't you think that... Like well, I guess that's my point is the, thresh- years the threshold or- would have to be very high. Right. Like, if you were Wisconsin, would you do Finley? Would you do Tucker, since he's the all-time leading scorer? Would you do Devin Harris? Would you do Frank Kaminsky? Would you do Sam Decker? Kaminsky, yes. Everybody else, probably not. Everybody else, no? Yeah. And where else? Where, where would this stop? Well, I think maybe in, in this more modern era of Wisconsin basketball, you could go Tucker, Harris, Finley and Kaminsky. 
In that. that means you didn't retire anybody else from the two final fours. Only one in the two final fours, and those other guys didn't make elite eights or final fours. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know? And you leave out the all-time leading scorer? I said Tucker. Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I said Tucker, Finley, Harris, Kaminsky. You know, Nigel Hayes is the third all-time leading scorer at Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I just I think if you were getting into the game of retiring numbers, you would really have to have a, th- a high threshold. I don't mind that they don't do it. You know, in football here, there's very few. Very few. What are there, five names on the facade of Camp Randall? I'd have to look that up. So I'm guessing. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. That sounds about right. It's either five or six. So, um, and, and I don't mind that. That is a high threshold. Dane, Amici. Shriner. Um, I, I mean. Is Pat Richter up there? I them off the top of my head. I don't, yeah, I believe. We'd be really so. bad at trivia. We would, uh, yeah, these are, the, these are the elements that we lose at. Terrible. Yeah. The sports guys in Wisconsin be really bad at Badger trivia. Uh, so, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me that there are not numbers and names hanging in the rafters at the Cole Center with retired uh, numbers for ha, Wisconsin basketball. Have they not issued 34 between then and now? Is it not a number that they handed out? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that. off the top of my head, no. Yeah. Where's That's Matt, the one thing. Matt LePay like, when you need him? Our buddy Dan Needles uh, is... He would know that stuff. He, no, he's Mr. Trivia, oh. but he knows nothing about uniform numbers, and I, it's kind of a weak point for me, too. When it comes to uniform numbers and walk-up songs and stuff that has to do with that, I, I'm, I just don't pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be my, uh, my forte to, to jump into that fray, because I'm sure there are people listening going, how come they don't know that? Could you just honor the names instead? I think you could honor the names instead, yes. Yeah. I think you that could. might be the way of doing it if you're going to do it. Yeah, and I think that would be much better. How do other than colleges other. do it? Do other colleges retire oh, that's good numbers? By the way, uh, Malachi Dupree is back on the practice field for the Packers today, which is good news. He missed all of last week and the game uh, after that vicious hit in the opening exhibition game. Patrick says, "Do like UNC and retired jerseys and hang them from the rafters." Carolina's retired jerseys: Michael Jordan, Tyler Hansborough. Phil Ford, James Worthy, Antoine Jameson, and they got. So two they don't other guys retire the, the numbers; they retire the jerseys. Like what Drew was saying earlier, what they retire the 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 jersey with the name on it. They hang it from the rafter, but they don't. But then another not, guy can that be. That doesn't preclude having the same number so, on another uniform today. Yeah, you put Kaminsky up there, but then at the forty-four Kaminsky. But next year there could be a new forty-four. Yeah, I would think it would be something that would be uh, under some That's, consideration. That's all negotiable because I remember when Marquette was going to do Dwayne Wade's number, they had said, first of all, they said that they had a policy that they would only do it if guys uh, graduated. And then like he wasn't going to come back and get his degree, so they were like, well, let's do it. 
And then there was talk that if there was a, a top flight recruit that they wanted it and they wanted to say, hey, you can have Dwayne Wade's number, they were going to issue it and just say, well, we retired the jersey, not the number. So if some kid, you know, some five-star recruit wanted to come and he wanted to wear number three, they would they would then allow it. So it's everything's flexible. Everything's negotiable, right? That's how that stuff works. Uh, good news out of uh, Packers camp in Green Bay today. We'll get some insight from our insider, Bill Huber, PackersReport.com. He will join us coming up next. This is the Mike Heller Show. Happy to have Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, with us Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the entire National Football League season talking about the Green Bay Packers. Our Green and Gold Insider brought to you by Broadway Tire and Auto in Monona, Northeast Madison and Sun Prairie. Tires and auto repair done with care. Hello, Bill. How are you? I'm green. How about you? Good. They're getting work done at Lambeau Field right now, and uh, or practice is concerned. And uh, a couple of good news sightings. On the field today, Demarius Randall back. Um, let's see, Ty Montgomery is back. Malachi Dupree is back. So those are all good. Those are good news stories, aren't they? That's right. Josh Jones is back as well. He didn't play on Thursday. Um, Colby Pearson, who's been out since family night, he's back as well. So they're they're much healthy. Just a brief rundown of who's not here: um, Devon House, Vince Beagle, Jordan Tripp, Don Barclay. Dean Lowry, kind of the, the big names there. Yeah, let, let's touch on the Vince Beagle thing because I know that Mike McCarthy in his pre-practice uh, press conference today that you were at, I assume you were at, uh, he talked yep. about Vince Beagle. What can you tell us on that update front? Well, he's not practicing this week, and he's not going to play on Saturday at Denver. They have one practice next week before the Thursday preseason finale, so but he's not going to play. He's not going to play in the preseason, which leads to some concern of one when exactly he's going to be clear to play and when he uses the law to practice, how long is it going to take him to get kind of hit the ground rolling there? So, I, look, this is a big deal. I, you know, Kyler Fackrell and Jaron Elliott have been exactly, you know, set the house on fire here. So they need to get Beagle in here, and this has obviously been a, uh, a big delay in getting that done. Spending time this afternoon with Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, as uh, Green Bay gets ready for their third exhibition game. They'll be in Denver on Saturday night. We didn't know if we would see Aaron Rodgers at D.C. against the Redskins. We did. Uh, your expectation is that this is the one we'll see him in again, uh, that you would expect starters to play a little bit more on Saturday night. And where does yeah, that, How does yeah, that impact Rodgers? Yeah, he said as much after the game on, on Saturday. He'd play a bit more in this game. Uh, McCarthy was asked earlier today about kind of kind of roughly about play counts and all that stuff, and McCarthy wasn't willing to go into that. And, I mean, there are so many guys injured, and there, you know, there's, there's probably a few of these guys out here that they're going to see how they get through the early stages of practice before they determine if they're going to practice later today and tomorrow on play. So moving parts here, but you know, Ryder said as much on Saturday that he's going to play more than he did. I mean, is he going to play half? Um, I don't know if he'll play that much, but... Definitely his last game until uh, until Seattle. 
Well, let me ask you a little bit about Jeff Janis, the people's choice. Jeff Janis has always, it seems, had pretty good training camps and exhibition games. Is is he still in jeopardy, even though he has had a pretty good camp, it appears, in the game at least, and is valuable on special teams? At what point does that time allotment for him run out, and what's what's your view of that right now? Uh, that is just such a great question. Um, Thompson was asked about it yesterday, or not yesterday, last week, and we didn't give it, you know, as Ted would do, we didn't really give an answer on it, but the, the receiver depth is so strong here, and at some point you wonder if, if it's time to move on from a guy who you know, you know what you're going to get out of him, in favor of a, of a young guy. that kind of basically time to turn over the bottom of the roster. And you look at the receivers here, you got Nelson Cobb and Adams are your three. You know, Allison is four. He gets back, and then it's just this mishmash of guys who are all good players. You got Janice, Max McCaffrey, the two draft picks. That's, you, you can't keep nine, can you? So at no. some point, you're going to have to get rid of a couple guys, and you get rid of a, just to throw out names, you get rid of Malachi Dupree, who might have more upside. Or do you, or do you get rid of Jeff Janice, who you know what you're going to get. He's going to help your special teams out, but at the end of the day, he's a special teams guy, and he's probably, he is who he is on offense. It's a, it's a great question. You know, I think some of these other injury situations factor into it. Can, can you keep all these receivers when you might have to keep Don Barclay on the roster for it's a short-term injury? You got you know, the Vince Beal thing. How long do you, do you have to keep an extra outside linebacker because of him? You know, Dean Lowry, Montrevis Adams, you have, to, you have to keep maybe seven D linemen because of those guys aren't going to be ready for week one. It, it, all those things kind of link together. Kind of a long-winded answer, but I, I, I would think they'd keep him because he's still good on special teams, but there are all these other questions in play here, too. Yeah, and in that to, in that same vein, when we talk about who the Packers may or may not keep, um, what's the trust level, or is there any trust level right now with Jason Spriggs? And at what point do they give up on a totally second round draft choice? Uh, on Jason Spriggs, what's the trust level there? And at what point do they uh, cut bait on a second round draft choice? Yeah, we get James Tampa here at some point after practice today, and that's going to be the by the first, second, and, and fifth questions of the day is what the heck happened with Spriggs? I, maybe he's chalking up to a bad day. He's had a pretty good camp. When, when he had to play guard last year, he was, he was pretty good at that. I mean, you, you can't you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater after after one game. I'd say, and you know, there, there's no full lined up here to speak of. I mean, if, if you have a, if you have an alternative, I'm, I'm willing to listen to the names, but they don't have anyone else here. I mean. None of the interior linemen have shown a whole lot. You know, the kid they drafted, Kofi Michi, hasn't, hasn't done much. I mean, the old line is, is a huge, huge question if someone goes down. I mean, where are they? Where? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How they turn to is going to be a big problem when that guy comes in. Also, when we talk about running back, that that stable of running backs, what have we learned two games in? And uh, what is it all determined off of the next Saturday night, this game at Denver? Will they, obviously, with the late cutdown, the new rules in the NFL for your cutdown date, will it all be determined after that final exhibition game at home? Yeah, someone's got to. I mean, I know a lot's been written and said about Jamal Williams, but, you know, to me, is not done anything spectacular. It's at some point, one of these guys you'd hope would 
would take the bull by the horns here. You know, I, I think maybe the mo- the more the most impressive guy, and that's you know a low bar. I would might be Devontae Mays or seventh round pick who had who had a, had a good run against Washington. He had that catch and run in both games where you know he came in here with with questions: could he catch the ball? But he didn't do it at Utah State. He's he's shown he's pretty adept at it. I mean, he might be the most impressive guy here, but you know they, they like Williams and rightly so because he can pass protect and. You got to block for Aaron Rodgers. That's obviously a big thing. But to me, not, none of these guys have just been lights out, and I think it's kind of an issue at this point. So yeah, I, I think you let I think you let it play out, and maybe that last game against the Rams, someone's going to jump to the forefront. But right now, I'm not seeing it. Couple of final thoughts with you in, in our time with you on this Tuesday with Bill Huber, PackerReport.com. What about the uh, the third quarterback battle? I mean, I think obviously we know what one and two is going to be in Green Bay. But is there uh, is there a a tight race for the number three quarterback spot? I think so. And here's you know, here's the the dilemma here is Taysom Hill has a better skill set than Joe Callahan. I think you know anybody who's watched his games can figure that out. He's got a he's got a good arm. He runs like the wind. He's also going to turn twenty seven tomorrow. Oh he really? Had four se- and, he, and he had four season ending injuries and in five seasons at BYU. So you get a better player, potentially a better player. But a much older player and a guy who's never stayed healthy. And with Joe Callahan, he's shown, I know he didn't play well the other night, but he's shown an act for moving the ball and he's got a great feel for the pocket, but a very limited upside. And that's the, you know, and you have to keep both of them. If your plan is here to move Brett Hundley before next year's draft, are you better off just keeping both on the practice squad? So when you're, you know, going to the next year's draft, you at least have three guys here and the pressure's maybe not on to get a quarterback right away. So I think those are couple things there to keep in mind and then the final thought we see the injury last night we don't know the final result of it where uh odell beckham jr is concerned maybe more scared than reality but in the national football league at what point and maybe you're not on the same page with me but at what point will owners relent and reduce the exhibition season to two games who would be upset other than ownerships who lose that that payday Who's upset if they drop it down to two exhibition games and stay at 16 of the regular season? Uh, not me, not you, and <laughs> no one else I know. Right. I mean, yeah. you're right. But it is, it is the money question. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to money, doesn't it? You know how it goes. Are, are the players willing to give up a lot of money to get rid of these preseason games? Well, the but players right. don't, I mean, the players you, don't give up. Right, I mean, the players don't give up money, right? I mean, the players, they don't lose much in the way of paychecks if they give up two exhibition games, do they? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I wish Mark Burpee was here. I, I'd ask him. I think, um, the, I think the ownership group is, that's the stumbling block there because they give up a gate and concessions and parking and, and uh, state television revenue. They give up some of that. But the players are, I mean, they're essentially a... a Close to an unpaid entity where the exhibition season is. Well, you're, yeah, that's, that's yeah, you're right. I, I, you're absolutely right about that. And it is, it isn't coming on the owners. And the owner is going to sacrifice, like you said. You know, Green Bay's going to have. Well, they sold these games out. I mean, it's part right. of the season tickets. It's seventy-eight thousand fans. So it's a. It's a huge. And all yeah. the parking. It's a. It's a boatload of money. It's a cash grab of which most of it is kept by the club and not paid out to their players. But in any case, it's a. It's a twenty twenty one discussion when they go through the next CBA or we have a lockout or a strike, uh, four years down the road. Uh, always. Do you, yeah. do you do you feel inclined then to have more joint practices and, and therefore you're really eliminating any injury risk? That's that's. That's the counter to that. I right. don't know the answer to it. Yep, there is, there is a counter to it. Uh, but at least at that level, when you have joint practices, it's a bit of a controlled environment. 
Uh, I don't know. Shoot. I mean, it's a it's a gladiator sport. There are going to be injuries, but I think a lot of ownership groups especially have a double-edged sword on this. One is that they make a lot of money on their two home exhibition games, and two, because they pay their players so much money, they put a lot at risk with their star players if they put them on the field at all for exhibition games. And uh, it, it is a bit of a double-edged sword, but it's their issue to work through down the road, not ours. Uh, we'll look forward to visiting with you on Thursday and get an update on what's going on. All right, appreciate your time, and we're going to take guys. Thanks, Bill. Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, joins us twice weekly, Tuesdays and Thursdays on the show. Our Green and Gold Insider Report is brought to you by Broadway Tire and Auto in Monona, Northeast Madison at Sun Prairie. Tires and auto repair done with care. Third hour of the program, just around the corner, Jeff Patrikas, Mr. Happy, one of our favorite visitors every week. Jeff Patrikas is slated to be with us about 25 minutes from now. Drew Olson will rejoin us as well. Thon Maker did something uh, recently on an airline flight that typically these things never capture anybody's attention. But we got the story, and it's a pretty neat story about the second-year player for the Milwaukee Bucks and what he did on a delayed airline flight. We'll give you some of that coming up in the third hour of the program. And, John, we're, we're due for an Ian's Pizza Bet. Um, oh, we do. We yeah. need an Ian's Pizza Bet, don't we? Yeah, we do. We need, and we'll explore Who won the last that. Ian's Pizza Bet? Uh, oh, we have one. Did. We have one on the nine-game trip, you and I, yeah. for the Brewers. We do have an Ian's Pizza on the line. Remember, uh, you won that Ian's Pizza Bet in, uh, it was the quickest decided Ian's Pizza Bet of all time. We made one, and then, <laughs> like, two minutes later, it was decided. Like, what will happen on this pitch? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The next pitch. Yeah, it was the next pitch, so we did one of those. But we'll uh, we'll explore our Ian's Pizza Bet for this week. And today, when we come back as well, stick around. More in a moment. This is the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get We're just going to keep pushing on forward. There was no eclipse today. Nothing for me to be not all that enthralled with. Although, you know, in watching the television coverage last night of some of the video shots, still shots, that were captured of the totality of the eclipse yesterday, in those areas it was pretty cool. I guess when I was underwhelmed by it, it was me being underwhelmed by the location. You know what I was uh, appreciative of that, though, last night? It did get dark. And if you time-lapsed last night when it got dark until this morning when it got light, it was like an eclipse. Just time-lapse it, make it last two and a half minutes, and it was just what they got in St. Louis and Carbondale and, you know, on that path of totality yesterday. So there's a little bit of that. We've got the next one to look forward to in 11 years. So that's exciting, or six years or whatever. Everything Everything today that's out there is futuristic. Wisconsin's going to play UCLA in college football in 12 years at UCLA and in 13 years at Camp Randall. So there's that. 
So we, we got stuff to look forward to. If you're looking for things to put on the calendar for 2029 and 2030, uh, the University of Wisconsin gave you a couple of those in college football today. Welcome into the Mike Heller Show. I'm Mike. That's Drew Olson. If he's back, hi, Drew. I'm back. Hello, he Mike. He's right there. John Audius is here. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? White headphones. When do you get your hair cut? When do I get it cut? Yeah, um, soon, right? Uh, yeah, it's right well, on that edge, right? Is it, your hair is right on the edge. Probably next week. Right? Yeah. Like even by your own estimation, your hair is it's, right on the yes, edge. It is getting to the point Still of... Still, you can do it, but you're going to start wearing hats. Yeah. It'll be good for this weekend. For Badger Volleyball, the opening of Badger Volleyball. and You're then, wearing a headset and sit upstairs anyway. Yeah, but I still like to look presentable. and not Nobody like sees all. you. Well, that's not true. What do well, you mean? for the game, no one sees me. Yeah, because you sit up where Before nobody else Before and afterwards, sits. people, I talk to people. I actually, you know, I don't just sit up there for the entire time and just kind of hide from everyone. You get there before anybody else does, and you leave after they've all left. Otherwise, you stay in the upper deck. Is that not what happens? I just. Stay, I don't know. I don't go to volleyball matches. Yeah. Well, apparently I've been apparently I've been criticized by that by some of your volleyballites. A lot what of do you call them? A lot of volleyball fans are wondering why Mike Keller never goes to volleyball matches. Volleyballers. Yeah. Yeah. Volleyballers. Yeah. Sure. Volleyball fans, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. That gets underway already. Mm-hmm. Friday. Man. Mm-hmm. So then you're. So then be- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next week, next week, I'll yeah. probably get my hair cut. Did you get me some tickets yet? First road trip of the season. <laughs> I, th- I just thought, um, you know, and Drew was thinking what, the same thing. What am I, the thing. official ticket provider of Mike Keller? Yeah, well, Drew would like <laughs> to come bucks, over to, uh, to a top 10 rated Wisconsin volleyball match and bring Sprout. And But, yeah. you know, it would help if, if our guy would set us up and say, hey, listen, you guys let me know what you want to come to, and I'll make sure you've got tickets in uh, some of the best seats in the house. Mike, Wisconsin volleyball is an elite program. They already have five yeah. sellouts. Right. You got to let me know bef- way before three days before the season so starts. So what you're saying to me, John? And they're only five bucks. So I think you can. You won't it. hook a brother up. And they're only five bucks. Well, maybe if you had asked me a month ago, I could have tried to get God, some tickets. I don't, I don't plan things a month in advance. Man, these things are all going to be sold out. Whatever. I see how you roll on this. Whatever. Start the show. Then. This is the Big Four at four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. Number four in our Big Four at four. Something we were talking about uh, last hour there before Bill Huber. Um, this has to do with uh, Armin from the Big Nine Twenty was retweeting a Ben Wargle tweet in which Brad Davison. He was Wargle was talking about Brad Davison to the Badger basketball team scoring X amount of points and the Badgers won. Davison wears number 34, and Armin was wondering, wait, 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 they're issuing number 34? He's thinking, I'm guessing, Devin Harris. Like, why aren't they retiring that number? So, what do you guys think? Should Wisconsin retire numbers? Well, I, I don't think they should. I wouldn't mind if they went and retired names, retired jerseys, without retiring the number. Does that make sense? Couldn't yeah. Couldn't Devin Harris, number 34, hang from the rafters and still see Brad Davison wearing number 34 on the court? I think so. Wouldn't that solve it both sides of the would equation? It would cause some confusion, but people could probably you know, get by it. They could, hey, people could handle that. Is that number not retired? No, just the jersey. 
Well, aren't all jerseys retired? I mean, they don't reuse jerseys, do they? With a name on it? I mean, they at least take the name off and put new names on it. I'm pretty sure that they're new every year. Um, I'm pretty sure that Under Armour will give them new jerseys to wear every year. So, yeah, I don't... I know it would be a bit confusing, but again, I think you have to set the bar very high on any retired numbers. You know, I mean, the, you talk about the back-to-back Final Four teams mm-hmm. with Kaminsky and Decker and Gosser and Brust and Nigel Hayes. I mean, that that those are and Trayvon Hughes uh, or Trayvon Jackson, rather. That's that's a really good team. Of that, I think only Kaminsky is Jersey retirement worthy, National Player of the Year. And if you want to go back, I would also put Orlando Tucker, who played in the NBA, was the uh, program's all-time leading scorer. He'd be on that list. Now, is Finley on the list because of his NBA career or his college career? Well, both, probably. He's the uh, second all-time leading scorer. So what what are we doing there? Would you, would there be would there be four? Because that doesn't take you back to John Cotts, who uh, won a national championship in the 1940s. 1941, um, you know, who, who else is going to hang up there? I think you could go back as far as you wanted. If you're retiring jerseys, which I think is probably the way to go. I don't think you should retire numbers in college. It's just, I mean, there's this, there's always new players. It's a constant cycle. You're going to run out of numbers, right? A little bit different than the NFL, I, I, I think. Maybe I'm wrong in my math there. But um, I think retired jerseys is the way to go. And I think you can go back as far as you uh, want. And you start it, and you, you, you do one a year or whatever, and it'll take a decade to get them all done or something. Right? In football, the, the bar should be the Heisman, and in basketball, it should probably be like player of the year or national big, champion. Big or, Ten player of the year, national player of the year. National player of the year, I like that. I mean, you do want to set that bar awfully high. You know, I don't mean to take anything away yeah. from Sam Decker, but Decker wouldn't have his jersey retired. Uh, Brust and Gosser wouldn't have their jerseys retired. Nigel Hayes wouldn't have his jersey retired. Why would Nigel Bronson Hayes Koenig, wouldn't have his jersey retired. He... Because I don't think they're transcendent players. In order for that number and name to hang in the rafters, you have to be transcendent, which isn't just a statistical measure. Sometimes it's an honors measure. What did Nigel Hayes win from an award standpoint a year ago? I, I mean, awards-wise, no. first-team All-Big Ten, Statistic-wise, yes. 1,800 career points, something like that. I know, that. but I... Th- that's final where, fours. I guess that's where I'm talking... Well, final... Off the court. Final fours. Impact. No. I think you can make a case for Hayes. No, you can't. Of course you I can. wouldn't make... No, if you're going to make a case for Hayes, you make a, a case for Koenig. And I don't think you make a case to retire their jerseys uh, for either one. Mm, I don't know. I think you Hayes, have to set the bar high. I think Hayes is a little bit different. I'm not saying... I'm just saying you can make a case for Hayes. I don't think you can. I think you can. Give me a, give me his list of honors, other than other than the points. Give me his list of honors. First team All American. Well, let me. I don't know. Let me. Big Ten Player of the Year. Let me pull it up. No, but well, I'm what I'm saying, John, is he's not either one. Yeah, but he had an impact on the program. Lots of players have impacts on the program. Bronson Koenig had a huge impact on the program. Mm. But if you set the bar high, and you have to in order to have a name and number hanging from the rafters. Not to retire the number, but to retire the jersey. I don't think those guys are on that list. Yeah, maybe. Just Kaminsky, and then I would go back, and then I would give strong consideration to Orlando Tucker, 
Michael Finley, Devin Harris. I'm not saying those are automatics. I say those guys would get strong consideration. Let's move on. You want to retire? Everybody. Number three. Yeah, Mom wants to hang out all the numbers in the rafters right now. All Kurt Portman's the, up there. Sam Decker should be up yeah, there. Kurt Port. What about Danny Jones? He going up there? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? You want Kurt Portman? You want Kirk Penny? Mike Wilkinson? Mm, I don't know if Penny and Wilkinson. Uh, number three. Uh, fill in the blank. The hit on Od- Odell Beckham was Drew. Well, it was the font of many piping hot takes in the sports radio industry across the country. It was also a football play, a clean tackle, and uh, much ado about not much. I'm in agreement. I thought it was a football play. I think Odell Beckham Jr., um, you know, probably that was a scary moment for him because I think there's times you've seen it, Drew, where guys get taken out on a a, uh, takeout slide before they outlawed it at second base. And sometimes that initial hit strikes fear into the player because they know their leg was planted, at least momentarily. They felt a little something, and then there's a fear factor. I thought Beckham had a fear factor going with him last night. Now, we haven't gotten the MRI. I don't think we've seen the results of a scheduled MRI today. Um, But I just thought, you know, like I, I thought football play. Didn't think it was a penalty. Didn't think that there was anything more to be made of the hit. And then in watching Odell Beckham Jr. as he ran up the tunnel, and then I think he knows there's a camera. Well, I know he knows there's a camera following him. So when he collapses to his knees in the tunnel, you know, in that hallway leading to the locker room, that was for the camera. My opinion, that was for the camera. That was showmanship. That was playing it up. And I just, you know, he's a great player. But those moments, what are you doing? Yeah, he... Definitely knew the camera was there. He kind of jogged to the uh, tunnel, and then when the camera's there, he gets down. Like, I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. Some theatrics going on for sure. Some extra theatrics. He's got a future. Number two. All right, number two on our big floor at four. How excited should Badger fans be about the preseason ranking for Badger football? Ninth in the AP poll. Well, I think it's really heady stuff for the program. You know, and Drew and I were, were talking about it earlier when we were growing up, to, to consider that that would be in play, that is fantastic. Now, if you want to talk about its relevance to what the season will bring, not much. It, it really doesn't exist that way. It gives us something to talk about, gives fans something to talk about, but as far as its, its impact on how it sets up for a college football playoff consideration or those elements, that will be determined by what they do on the field. So I think as far as its effectiveness on what happens down the road, not that much. Talkability and respect level, it's fantastic. Yeah, you should be as excited as you want to be about it. But realize that, all right, I mean, it's nice and all, but it doesn't mean anything if you you know, lose a, your first Big Ten game. It does, it's, it's nice for now, and it get, may, might get people amped up, for the, even more amped up for the Utah State opener. But preseason polls are just what that. They're preseason polls. And it's it's a sign that the programs come light years from where Mike and I remember it as kids. But, you know, these spoiled young millennials now having a top That's 10 team. all they team. know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the polls. It, but it, it's cool. But get as excited about it as you want to. But I think in the back of your mind, you got to realize, well, it's it's uh, you'd rather be in the season-ending poll at a, at a lofty position. Yeah, the polls really don't 
matter, and they haven't for a while. It's all about you got to position yourself to get in the playoff. That's all this whole season's about. And it, once that's gone, well, then it's just about performing well or whatever. Do you know what it's ultimately about? Hmm. It's about marketing. It's about brand recognition. Well, as far as yeah, on it's the, about sales. Well, as far as on the field accomplishments, what I'm, I'm speaking of is just the only thing that matters is how do you get to the college football playoff. And it doesn't matter if you're ninth, you know? No, I guess um, my point is it matters from a name recognition, brand recognition. That's why why it matters. Drew, you posted a video earlier today of the, the University of Texas Longhorns football locker room and when their players were exposed to it for the first time. Now, you viewed it differently in relation to NCAA money and look at where they're spending it and the players don't get any of it. I look at that as marketing. I, I look at what Texas did in releasing that video and, and that locker room. That's about brand recognition. Listen, look, we take care of you. When you're here, you will have nothing but the best. Here's our example. Here's your locker room. When players rave about their visits to Oregon, they rave about the locker room and the player facilities at Oregon, in which they are essentially second to none. That's what Texas is doing with their locker room, and that's what I talk about in top 10 rankings. That's brand recognition. It's marketing. It's advertising. It's important for the university. It's important for the football program, and it has a a sense of importance for the fan base as well. I see it as a disgusting exercise in excess. I see it as keeping up with the Joneses. When somebody goes in the locker room at Alabama and you're being recruited by Alabama and Texas— which trip is going to sure. impress you more? But it's an arms race that is in part escalating because they don't pay the players anything. That's why we have James Franklin making $6 million a year and Nick Saban making $10 million a year. Yeah, that's what the market pays. But the market might not pay that much if they didn't have free labor. But, Drew, they don't have free labor. It's not free labor. It's you free. Know, if, players if, aren't it's, sharing. It, it isn't free. Uh, players get a... They get a, a uh, who else? Oh, they get free who, shoes. They who, get free sweatshirts. Drew, who else when they, they get to go to class? Who else when they leave high school as an eighteen or nineteen year old can essentially earn a sixty to seventy to eighty thousand dollar a year in uh, in kind job? Because that's what they get. Because in everybody kind. else in kind, everybody else is yeah. is leaving school with a student debt, or the parents have set aside all that money that has been paid for in advance to pay for the college education. But a two hundred thousand dollar four to five year college education, let's say it's five years, that's what the players get. For five years, they don't pay for anything. For five years, they don't rack up one student loan. And they're incredibly well taken care of. Yes, they provide a service of which the university and college football and college athletics benefit from, but they also benefit education, no student debt, food, lodging. The best of academic support, the best of travel, they are not coming out of this empty-handed. And no, I, don't, I know of no other profession or um, post-education secondary work that you can get leaving high school that will pay you at that level, but it's in kind. It's all true, but in kind. And you, they have access to the education, but we've seen North Carolina, many other schools, too many to mention, that they're just trying to keep players eligible. They're not educating. The student only comes first when the NCAA haughtily refers to them as student athletes. 
Because they're athletes, and then they're students. And then there is the Josh other, Rosen yeah. was right. Josh Rosen was absolutely right. And you, I mean, if and I'm not talking about paying players hundreds of thousand dollars, a hundred bucks a week or something. When you're paying twenty five million dollar locker rooms and strength coaches are making seven hundred grand a year, I think they we could shake a little bit loose for the players. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think they uh, will talk with this. Uh, talk about this with Jeff Patrikas coming up next. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online or Badger Insider is that was that our number one, John? I no, totally... well, let's just whatever. We'll just get to that next. Why don't we do that next? Are you sure? Yeah, I want to hear what Jeff Patrikas yeah. says. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jeff Patrikas will join us on the other side. He's our Badger Insider, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online. We'll tackle this, and we're inside of ten days for the Badgers' season opening game against Utah State. We talk with Mister Happy Jeff Patrikas next on the Mike Heller Show. I look forward to this every week. I, I wish we'd do it more than once a week. We welcome in Jeff Patrikas of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, brought to you by Star Satellite. Hello, Jeff. How are you? You got the power. Make it happen. Pull, throw some weight around that place. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I really don't have power anywhere. Um, sometimes off the tee. I can hit it further than John Audius off the tee. That's uh, the Actually, only that, would, that would be farther for those of us who are jerks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I you corrected me last week, too. What was that about? Effect and effect? Which yeah, I, I, your grammar uh, yeah. strength is or grammar is not a strength for you apparently. Apparently not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a hard time with affect with the a and and effect with the e. Yeah, me too. Can you guys break that down? Yeah, for g- me? give us a little uh, thumbnail sketch of the usage. Actually, um, the effect of me having to listen you listen to you really affects my disposition <laughs> in a negative way. I don't know which one was the e and which one was the a. E, e was first. A in this <laughs> okay, all right. Um, do you have a concept of where the University of Wisconsin is in cost of uh, living expense stipends? You know what they pay for their athletes right now. Uh, they're in the you know three to four thousand dollar range, and I heard you guys talking about this before. And it's you know it's interesting because I've I've encountered. I remember Wendell Bryant who played football back in the day? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was one time I was covering a volleyball game, um, an NC Toy tournament game, and I came out. It was snowing, and Wendell Bryant schlepping through the parking lot by the field house, going to try to be able to buy a toothbrush, and he barely scraped together enough money to buy one because he had either one the one that he used died or whatever. He was getting tired of it. So I've seen kids who literally had said, "I don't have enough money to buy a toothbrush." But since then, if you look at some of the housing options on campus, you know, kids are choosing to spend to to spend a lot of their money, their scholarship money, on housing. So I don't, you know, not having been a student here, I don't know how much housing is available that's modestly priced, but I know a lot of scholarship athletes right now are going to some really high-end places. Well, they did, uh, btn.com did a, uh, a grid on stipends back in 2015, and the the... Uh, proposed stipends. What they thought was going to happen was Penn State would be at the high end at forty-seven eighty-eight per year for their student athletes. Wisconsin was second 
at 42.65. Michigan State was at the bottom at 18.72. I don't know why there's such a discrepancy. I don't know if those were in reality what happened. But I think sometimes when people think of the student-athlete and the idea that there is no money, there might not be enough money for some of the things that they should be able to do. In other words, going home for a, a break to be able to get home and get back those elements. But they're, you know, for the most part, aren't they pretty well taken care of? Aren't they pretty well whole in what they get and don't get on campus? Well, let's look, I'll, it's a two-part answer. I'll look at it this way, first of all. It's, to me, it's like anybody, like you guys in the studio, me right now, you know how much money you're going to get each semester. You have a budget. You can, spend, you can budget properly right. and yeah. not go outside that budget. You can stay within it. You can be conservative in your spending, or you cannot be. And if you're conservative in your spending, you have extra money left over for now going home for trips for athletes is tough because depending upon your sport and your season, there's not really a lot of opportunity to do that, especially if you don't live close to Wisconsin. Um, but you can spend as much as you want or as little as you want. I know guys who, a lot of guys back in the day would group together, a lot of roommates, and they would get stay in places that weren't the swankiest, so they had more money available to them. This was, this was before stipends. This is when I'm just talking scholarship. Sure, right, right. But if, if you decide to live alone or live with maybe just one roommate and live in a really nice place, you're going to be chewing up more of your scholarship money or your stipend money. It's a, it's a personal choice, and I don't, I'm not going to begrudge anybody who wants to live in a nicer apartment now that because you've seen some, some of the stuff buildings yeah, that have been going nice. up in the years. They yep. have some really nice places. Yeah, Those and the cost, cost of money. So if you choose the to cost of living, there, you might not have it for other areas. Cost of living on campus. We all remember the days of we were eating mac and cheese, and if it was a good month, you bought like name brand craft instead of you know generic, or or ramen if it was on sale and stuff. The cost of living in college, though, to now where people have cell phones and you have to have Wi Fi and things. There's just a lot more expenses that that weren't around cable. <laughs> That weren't True, around that we, stuff that we got for free. Were, you know, if they play it right, they can they can take stuff home from the, the training table. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You, you know they're, they're not just having their meals only at the training table. So they can they can take stuff like is that, that where that money. started is that where is that where that carryout started because I told Mike Keller when I covered the Brewers in spring training I would see guys walk by the cooler and stop and take like six bottles of water and four Gatorades back in a backpack and they'd leave with it it's like really you couldn't stop at the store and pick up some Gatorade and some water for your apartment uh, you know I imagine you could you could you probably see some people on their little scooters heading around campus probably with backpacks full of chicken breasts and God knows what good food I mean there's it, 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 in my opinion, it all goes back to if you if you budget and you're smart, you can make it work. But if you want to spend more money, your your budget's going to be tighter, and maybe you won't have money to to go see a movie. Although I I would hope those days are gone. Well, in that stipends. regard, didn't all of us go through that? I know I did. For heaven's sakes, and I wasn't. Uh, uh, my family didn't have much money, but I wouldn't have considered myself poor either. But I didn't have money at the end of months when I was in college. Well, 
And I was, I was fortunate. Even, I was fortunate because I took out student loans and I worked for about two years as an RA. And the two years I didn't work as an RA, I would yeah. go home on weekends and I had a full time, full time weekend job. Well, in Milwaukee, so yeah. I made money. These these uh, these conversations can can go in uh, for a long time and in a lot of different directions. Let me uh, shift up and talk about the number nine ranking. When you see a ranking, and I, I get it in the grand scheme of things, uh, rankings will take care of themselves when you play games. But what does it mean that Wisconsin, as a program, is preseason AP number nine? You know, the one thing actually that stood out to me about the polls. And this has nothing to do with what you guys were talking about early, earlier. It had to do with the difference um, between the writers and the coaches with Wisconsin and one other team, and that would be Michigan. The coaches had Michigan ranked one spot ahead of Wisconsin. The writers had Wisconsin ranked two spots ahead of Michigan. Now, if you remember, Michigan, I think, had 11 or 12 guys drafted. They lost. Almost everybody except for one guy on defense. Um, they lost a ton of guys on offense. They have question marks up and down their roster. Yet the coaches said that team, they recruit so well, and Jim Harbaugh is such a good coach, that so we're going to put them ahead of a Wisconsin team that's got a lot of pl- people back from the team that stood toe-to-toe against Michigan last year in Ann Arbor. I thought that was telling. And I thought the writers saying, you know what? Michigan's the brand name. Michigan's got Harbaugh. Michigan recruits well, but we don't think they're going to be as good as Wisconsin. That's one thing that jumped out to me, because the other stuff about championships and that, it just doesn't matter. The only poll that matters these days, only set of rankings, won't come out till October. College football playoff rankings, that's what matters. All right, so if you're Paul Chris, do you tell guys to ignore that? You don't want them getting big heads, or you tell them, hey, beat your chest, you earned it, it's okay. And you know they're selling it to recruits, right? Um, I don't think so. I, if, if, if I know Paul the way I think I do, does he know that his players will look at rankings? Yes. Does he know that they'll hear what's being said about them or read it? Yes. But the way they handled last year and the, the talk about you're going to get killed by that schedule was they approached it and said, okay, look, you, you can listen to that talk if you want, but here's how we're going to approach it. It's an opportunity for us to show everybody how good we are. And he's got guys on this team talking about playoffs and national championship this year. And they have already started, you know, long before the polls came out, of saying to their guys, look, don't worry about the polls. Everyone's saying your schedule's easier this year. We have to approach it the same way. We have to treat the opponents with respect. We can't think we're better than we are. Um, so I, 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 Paul is the last guy I would see welcoming a recruiting on campus and say, hey, look where we're ranked in this poll. And that's just... That's not even. I don't think that's in his DNA. Jeff, I know you like to work ahead. How are you planning on covering the UCLA home and home in twenty twenty nine and twenty thirty? Well, I'm expecting to be covering the signing of one of your children for Wisconsin. I'm not Maybe sure a what grandchild. class that will be in. But I did figure it out. I double checked, and I'm guessing maybe off by a year or so. But the the freshmen who will be on the UW team in twenty twenty nine, if they get to tra- tra- travel to Pasadena are either kindergarten or first grade today. So I'm not sure where they are. I'm sure that there's a list somewhere in the recruiter's office looking at these guys. But you'll still be on the beat. I won't be on the beat when they play Virginia Tech. <laughs> I'll be lucky to be on the beat if when Wisconsin plays Notre Dame in 2020. Oh, come on, man. What would we do without you? You would do, get along just fine, thank you. You would you'd wear your Brewers baseball jersey to work, and you'd wave a little pom-pom, and you'd go, 
Go, Craig Council. You're the best manager. Oh, ever. you stop it. By the time they get to the UCLA series, you'll have had uh, six full years living in Arizona. Uh, it's entirely possible. I'm on year five already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, Jeff. Uh, that's all we have time for. I wish we had well, time you want, for if, more. If you want me more than once a week, throw your waiter on. That's all I'm going to say. All right. We'll see all right. what we can make happen. Thanks, Jeff. All right, boys. Take care. Jeff Patrickus, our Badger Insider from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS, on Lee, uh, JS Online. Brought to you by Star Satellite. Well, I was reading something else when I said that. Don't look at me like that. Lucas gets him twice a week, doesn't he? Well, let's just add him in on Thursdays. Pencil him in for Thursday at the same time. Is he going to want... Uh, we'll have to figure something out, huh? Right, Like we get him a, a Taco pizza Bell. or something? Taco Ta- Bell I certificates? Think Taco Bell, yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, what is this Thonmaker story that everybody's talking about, John, that we're going to talk about next? Something to do with an airline? Is Thonmaker a pilot or just a really good passenger? We'll tell you when we come back. This is the Mike Heller Show. <laughs> So how many of you would have said yes as the flight attendant making her way up the aisle was asking somebody to relocate from economy class, which is a little bit more legroom, to the last row of the plane so the plane could then actually taxi and take off? And each progressive passenger saying no, and some of them emphatically no. But then they got to seven foot one inch Thon Maker, who said yes, moving from economy which is more legroom, and a seven foot one inch NBA player needs a little bit more legroom, wouldn't you think? More than a 5'10 radio guy like me. And Thonmaker moved to the last row, sat on the last row of the plane, so the plane would not be delayed any longer. Now, how many of you are willing to do that in the same circumstance? Because you've all been on flights when somebody was asking you to relocate to maybe deeper into the plane and into a middle seat. Because that's what ended up happening? Pretty cool stuff, huh? I'm confused. Why didn't the guy? Why did Why did anyone have to move? Why didn't they just put the guy in the back? Um. So I mean, the the story is what I don't get. Yeah, the, the story is is written. Um, after ending ending up on an upgraded economy plus, uh, which you have more leg room, the flight attendants began asking for relocation on the plane. And I'm not certain as to why, but the plane was going to be delayed. They were going to hold until they could reseat the plane for some reason. And everybody was saying no, except for the guy that made the post. um, And his name is Paul Kuzma. And then Thon Maker, who shifted to the very back row, uh, right in front of the lavatory as they show the picture, and uh, and this guy, Paul Kuzma, said he wasn't an NBA fan and then got to visit with and meet Thon Maker, impressed because both of them agreed to move, Kuzma and Thon Maker. And uh, they got to uh, talking on the plane, and then this, uh, this individual made a long post about it, and uh, there it is, in the back row of the plane. Thon Maker's just the nicest guy. Yeah. He seems like it. Yeah. But that then is- again... 
But then again, part of the reason he was moving twice is because he missed a flight. <laughs> did he miss a connection because he was going to be in first class, or did he just miss a flight? Because nowadays, if you miss a flight, you're screwed. The ideas of, of oh, I'll fly standby or I'll just switch it, it's... Um, yeah, it's not good to ever miss a flight. Yeah, and if you he can was, avoid it. He was uh, he had missed a flight and was rebooked on that one. He was assigned his original first class seat. Uh, he had settled in when a flight attendant told him the person who had paid for that seat on the flight had shown up, albeit very late. Oh, so they had to move him okay. to economy plus. Once there for a while, his story mirrors uh, that of the the other passenger that uh, posted this. Requests were being made for someone to move to the last row, and no one was volunteering, so Thon Maker did, wanting the flight to begin. He couldn't even fit his knees into the economy seat. Every time the snack cart came by, someone had to use the restroom. He had to get up and move out of the way. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, I've asked this question a lot of times. Would you want to be 7-1? No, I wouldn't. I mean, and I've asked, I've asked the question to Jackson and other kids uh, of that age group, and initially... For some of them, the answer is yes. Oh, you get an NBA, you got a chance to play in the NBA. And I said, yeah, you get that, and you're going to make some money. But the idea of being 7-1 for your entire life, of all of the things that we take for granted that are normal, hotel beds, airplane seats, maybe even sitting on a bus, um, sitting down in a coffee shop, all of the things that we kind of take advantage, getting into and out of a car, all of that stuff. It's all predicated on the average size people. I mean, not just being seven one. What about being six nine, six eight, six nine? I mean, that a lot of that stuff has to just kind of suck. Not even talking about going in to buy clothing off the rack, which you never do. Is there a height you guys always wanted to be? Like I, I think like six, six, two. six four. I think I always wanted yeah, to be like six four. Six three would work for me. Yeah, all in the same range. Not too tall, but tall enough. Yeah. Maybe six four is even stretching a little bit. Six Maybe it's four a, is a little tall. A little too tall, yeah. I'd settle for six two. But most of it for for me from a size standpoint, it would have been athletic driven. You know, I think uh, there there are inherent advantages to being six three or six four. Six two, six three, six four. Certainly from a basketball standpoint, but also from a leverage uh, a pitching standpoint in baseball, uh, from a power standpoint. Longer levers uh, give you a little bit more leverage, a little bit more power. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I had wanted to always be 6'2", would have been my ideal height. But then if you ask somebody, they'll say, yeah, 6'8", wow, if I could be 6'8", I don't know. 6'8", would only, would only be athletic-driven because everything else in life, you're at somewhat of a, not a disadvantage, but it makes everything else more difficult, doesn't it? I mean, if you're... Six nine, six ten. You have to look at certain cars because other cars you just can't do it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're six eight and you're driving a little tiny car, you, the seats all the way back, it probably heads touching the ceiling. It's probably the worst. So you'd have to like look at certain type. There might be a car you're like, man, I like that car. It's too small. I can't do it. I got to do this bigger <laughs> car. You know, it's physically get buses, planes, like you were saying. The uh... it's be the worst. The Bucks designed the bathrooms and the furniture at their new training center downtown in Milwaukee for taller people, right? But I've also heard people who are really tall, and I went to college with a guy who was about 7'3", didn't play oh, basketball man. at all. And he, um, I said, would you build a house and have it all, you know, bigger doorways and stuff? And he said, no, because then you go out in the real world and it's not like that. 
So he would rather just have to deal with it. And... But I would, I would think somebody that went through, that's going through life, I don't know. I mean, you are who you are, right? I mean, uh, who wants to trade out of, of that? But if all things were equal and I could just trade the one physical attribute to be 6'2", I'd have done it in a heartbeat. I'm 5'10", probably a little less than that now. We shrink. John, gravity pulls us down. So I was 5'10". I might not be 5'10 anymore, but I would have I would have been 6'2. I would have chosen to be 6'2 in a heartbeat. No questions asked. Yes, I'll take 6'2. Thank you. It's not really because of gravity though. Why do why do we shrink? Uh, when you get older. I Does think, anybody know? I think there's a compression. I think compression yeah. of the spine and your joints and that's gravity based. I'll look it up. Okay. You John, need to hang John upside down. You need inversion me. therapy. Right. Yeah. John, you never you never trust me in these. No, things, because do you? you make up stats half the time on this show. Hey. Brian called from Wausau. Hey, hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's going on? Well, I was um, listening to you guys, and I'm six two, and my twin brother is six uh, eleven, <laughs> and he like, he has white guy syndrome. He can dunk. I mean, he was a basketball player, but he you know wasn't great. You know, so he went to college. I mean, small college, but now we're both 34 years old and he hates it he has to get it all his clothes off of the big and tall store right, he can't right. get shoes anywhere you know and he can't get in small cars so it's just yeah i'd rather be six two how tall is he your your twin he, brother he's a uh, 611 so 611 he he gets into an airport an uber is going to be difficult for a 611 guy oh no he doesn't even do Uber. we did that one time in st louis and they brought this little economy-sized car rides like, I'll walk. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'll walk. And he walked like six blocks. And we were we were not going to walk. He's like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah and, so. and I would I would guess you wouldn't also trade places with that because you see the inconvenience and difficulty it costs him. Oh, heck no. Like in high school, he was 6'10", playing basketball. Like I remember I used to be able to shrink his clothes so they would fit me. <laughs> because he would buy clothes that would barely fit him. So I would do laundry, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to put this stuff in the dryer. Well, guess what? They fit me now. Now he has no clothes. I used to get beaten for that. That wasn't very nice of you. No, no, not really. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, just being 6'10", 6'11", you think it's uh, really glorified? It's really not because you can't find anything. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. Say yeah. hi to your brother. <laughs> That's what we figured. Uh, so according to berkeleywellness.com, people Uh-oh. age or people is. shrink. Well, there's a variety of reasons. It's not just like one thing why people shrink as they get older. Um, it's, it's funny because I don't remember saying that there's only one reason. Yeah. I'm, well, I never said you said that either. I don't remember saying that you said that there was only one reason. <laughs> uh, because the discs between the vertebrae and the spine dehydrate and compress. The uh, spine can I also become that. more curved. Vertebrae, vertebrae can collapse due to loss of bone density, loss of muscle in the torso, even the gradual flattening of the arches of the feet. Plus, there was a study done in 2013 um, that some people feel that as gravity pulls down on us, the cartilage between our joints wears down and our spines are weakened by osteoporosis and we shrink. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of gravity. A little bit of bone loss, a little bit of muscle loss, flattening so, of the arches. And- so would it be fair to say that by the time Wisconsin and UCLA play in 2029 and 2030 that I'll be 5'8"? You could be. Yeah. Yeah. It says after the age of 40 is when we really start to shrink. Hmm. 
Um, is when it starts, I should say. Yeah. So you're almost there. Yep. Estimates vary, but on average, people lose a quarter to a half inch every decade after age 40 or 50. Hmm. With losses increasing in later years. A quarter to a half an inch a decade? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, all right. Well, that's discouraging. Um. <laughs> Have a happy Tuesday, everybody. Bomber. Nice, nicely done, John. We're all well shrinking. played by you. Uh, if if uh, if you're okay with this, Drew, um, you know, I think you've worked hard enough for today, and and now could be time for you that's, to head home. That's good news, man. What's, Maybe I'll take a nap so I can watch the Brewers tonight. <laughs> what's for dinner tonight? What are you having? I'm on my own. I I, I got to figure that out. It'll be a burger someplace. Oh, that uh, that chair at Lefts is calling. I think. Oh, uh, right, could right happen. Now. And yep. we're there a week from today, aren't we? I don't I even know what I'm for, doing tomorrow. So I think that's I, a rally. I think there's yep. a Badger rally at Hard Park, and we're there at Lefts or something. There we so, go. Yes. That's true. Yeah, Good on the twenty ninth. On the twenty ninth. Yeah, that would be one week from today. That's how that works. Outstanding. Looking forward to it. Uh, all right. Thanks, Drew. All right, boys. Talk to you tomorrow. Tom Hardercourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online will join us at about quarter past the hour of five, our fourth hour of the program. Three in, one yet to go. Coming up next on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. With a paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I win my Two things I would change in the world of sports if I had the opportunity to just instantaneously switch. Two things. Two things that I have a passion for that I would just change right now. In the National Football League, I would limit the exhibition season to two games. Two games. It would be super simple. The only people against it are owners of 32, ownership groups of 32 National Football League franchises. Maybe some of the businesses, hotels, restaurants, and the like in those cities. Otherwise, nobody has an issue with the idea of shortening the exhibition season to two games. That's one. Number two, automated strike zone if you have the technology in Major League Baseball. In some way, shape, or form of which you could appeal a call or it was just automated just across the board. But those are the two things. If I could do it right now, I would institute both of them. We do not need four exhibitions. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In football games, we don't. And in fact, the, the excitement for the National Football League that begins to build in July shouldn't really begin and build until right now. This week, beginning on Thursday night, should be the start of the exhibition football season in the NFL. 
that would mean that training camp would start two weeks later. You could start training camp at the end of July or even the first week of August. You started the first week of August, two weeks ago, and you'd play this weekend. Two games, then the Sunday after Labor Day, the Thursday for the NFL opening night, but then that Sunday would begin the games. Who is going to gripe about that? That would be perfect. Players would like it. Coaches, I think, would like it. The people that wouldn't like it, ownership groups, and the businesses in those cities that host two exhibition games in the NFL would now only host one. That's one thing. Number two, the automated strike zone. Now, the reason I bring up the exhibition season is that I heard a lot of national conversation earlier today about Odell Beckham Jr. Now, there are two things at play with Odell Beckham Jr., more than two. But I didn't think it was a bad hit. I think the hit that he took is a football play. Defender didn't leave with the crown of his helmet, didn't launch like a missile, making a tackle. Trying to make a roster, made a tackle. That's where he had the opportunity to do it. I didn't have an issue with the tackle. Just part of football. You take 120 minutes out of play for NFL preseason game injuries, you're going to see two games fewer injuries. That's how it works. I don't know that you're going to save Odell Beckham Jr., Because it's a violent sport. It's a gladiator sport. It's a sport that has hit injuries every week. But what we did there is if you take out two exhibition games, you take out two games worth of injuries, even if the starters are only playing a series or sometimes less than that. You take that out of play. Nobody is adverse to it. Except for maybe John. I'm Mike Heller. That's John Otte. Say, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? I love it, Mike. We don't need all this preseason football as fans. But like you said, owners, stadiums, businesses, television, they all need four preseason games. Need? Well, because they're used to it. Because that's because you you've been becoming reliant on that 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 income, that that money that it generates. So. Yeah, I guess if you want to say need from that perspective, yeah, I think they do. As fans, we don't need it. As players, you know, the Odell Beckham injury just kind of reminded me, I'm getting awfully close to just saying, if you're an established superstar, don't even play. I don't even want you playing. I don't. If you know what you're doing and you're a superstar and I need you on my team, I don't even want to put you in a preseason game. Sorry. Um, you know, it's different if you're trying to make a roster or whatnot, but when I see Odell Beckham get injured, that's what I think. Right now, I'm okay. Like, if Aaron Rodgers played a little bit at Washington, like he did, plays a little bit against Denver, like, that's fine. I'm I'm okay with it right now. But I'm I, I'm getting closer and closer to saying, I don't think Aaron Rodgers should play at all. Like, like, don't even, like, not one snap. Like, I would be upset at one snap. I'm getting closer to that. Right now, I'm not. But, but let's, let's be honest, and we've talked about this before, just for people that don't know you as well. Um, you are safety first. You are very risk averse. Right. No jumping out of planes for this guy. Right. No motorcycles. Like you wouldn't bungee jump. You wouldn't get no. a motorcycle. You wouldn't parachute. Um, no. I, I, my guess is that you're not a roller coaster rider. Um, I, okay. I Googled roller coasters because Avi really wanted to see a roller coaster. My daughter, she's four. And one of the like second or third hits was like, disastrous roller coaster things oh boy 
and I didn't click on that until she went to bed, and I, I watched like 30 seconds, like, nope, done, not even going to watch the 10 minutes of these. So she's never going to Six Flags Probably to not. ride roller coasters no, with her no. friends when And the other reason I don't school. is because I am just horrible. I, I become dizzy and nauseous. I went on one ride once, like 20 years ago, I want to say. Like, it was just the start of the day. And I was like, ah, oh, guys, I'm done. <laughs> I got to sit here for like an hour. Because I'm going to puke. I just wanted to get that out there so people yeah. understood uh, the perspective that you come to this argument from. By the way, I'm going to touch on this here briefly now, but this will be a conversation and likely a poll question on tomorrow's show. And I'm uh, kind of stealing this from Diamond Dan Beyer of Merrill, Wisconsin, who now works for Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles. Let's hear it. I love it. What are we talking um, about? If you could only put, he said five, but I would make it less than that. If I just ate at the food court at CNN uh, when I was in in Atlanta a couple of weekends ago, we ate at the food court I think twice. Mm-hmm. Which three restaurants would you mandate be in the food court that you're going to build? Top three restaurants that you would have in your food court? <laughs> Absolutes, they have to be there. Oh man. Okay, so I, I'm I'm in on this from the beginning. Okay, so my first choice in a food court. So I understand the setting. In a food court, you have to have Chick Fil A. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a beauty. That's a great, great, yes. Chick-fil-A has to be in the food court. Now, my number two, and I'm interchangeable on this. I I could go with either one. Um, the uh, the burrito places. What There are two of them, right? That were, Qdoba or Chipotle? Yeah, I'm, I I don't have a brand uh, preference there. That's not, that's a But solid. I would like one of those that's in there. That's very solid. Okay, so I'm oh, two I got in. One. Okay, I got one, yeah. All right, what's your third? Um, well, I, I would go Chick-fil-A. This is just off the top of my head. I would go Taco Bell, because you mentioned the Chipotle, and the, which is would, awesome. But I would go Chipotle but or I think a lot of people Qdoba just enjoy the bell, though. Over the bell? No? You, and and then okay. my third, like some sort of Chinese restaurant. Like when I go to a mall food court, I feel like I need to have Chinese food sometimes, because they're giving away samples sometimes. I'm like, oh, man, I want some orange chicken. All right, chicken. so then do we have to go off the board to go to... Um, Are we picking three or five? To, to the dessert side of things? I mean, do you want Cinnabon? I've, I've known people that have never had Cinnabon. Isn't it Cinnabon? Carly has not had Cinnabon. I think you say it funny, by the way. I don't know. I think it's Cinnabon. The, the la- aren't the last three letters B-O-N? Yeah, but I don't think it's pronounced B-O-N. It's kind of like you pronounce it how you want to. I don't know. Hey, if, if Kari, if you're listening to the show, call us 877-729-1070 or 321-1070. Cause I, somebody, I'm wondering if Kari's never had Cinnabon. Have you? Have you, John? Yeah, I have a long time when ago. When I was younger, I used to like look forward to airport travel through Detroit because I knew there was a Cinnabon there. And I would get one. I think uh, I think if you get a Cinnabon or a Cinnabon or if you have emojis or images, um, you a Cinnabon would be like, look it up, John. What is a Cinnabon? Is it like 1,200 calories? Oh, they're horrible for you. Oh, they're rotten. And <laughs> they taste fantastic. I mean, I can't remember the last time I had one. It's It's got to be probably a decade, close to a decade since I last had a Cinnabon. But I still long for them. It is right up my alley. I love cinnamon. It's my favorite spice. And then uh, I, I'm 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 a I'm a sweet tooth. You know, I'm kind of like put syrup on it or uh, frosting or yeah. That's I, I'm into that part of the deal. So I just I, I, John's gonna look it up. He'll Google what what a cinnabon would cost you 
in caloric maybe intake. Maybe it is Cinnabon. I don't know. They don't have like advertisements. But I heard somebody on YouTube pronounce it Cinnabon. Um, all right. So a classic roll, 880 calories, <laughs> 37 grams of fat. But the carbs, oh, Mike, the carbs, like if you're looking to keep your carbs in check, because what the carbs do is they instantly, like they just, your body turns it into sugar, Yeah, is my understanding. Right. So not only do you have 58 grams of sugar, but you have 127 grams of carbohydrates. Are we saying that's not good? Is that where we're getting at? Um, it's probably not the best, no. There's so no daily recommendation for sugar. Would I, would would sugar. I be wrong to put that into my food court? No, because a lot of people like it. A lot of people would still buy it. I mean, there's a reason why these stores exist. So are we looking at it from a financial end, what you want to make or what you want to eat? Just you personally? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably what you want to eat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, well, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, we'll talk more about it on the program tomorrow. Wisconsin's ranked ninth in the initial AP poll in college football. So here's the story on that. I, I know that some people think that, there is a huge advantage where the college football playoff is concerned. That's the idea. Hey, you're ranked ninth. That that puts them in good position. I would just add this to that conversation. I don't think that helps or hurts you where the college football playoff is concerned. Let's say you're unranked and you're and you have Wisconsin schedule when the season begins. If you end up after the Nebraska game, you're five and zero. Oh, and let's say you started twenty sixth in the rankings. By the time you were, if, if you were undefeated, Utah State, Florida Atlantic, at BYU, Northwestern at home, at Nebraska, if you were, uh, what is that, 5-0? and 5-0, no ranked teams. If you're 5-0, yeah. and oh, yeah. well, I think, uh, is Nebraska unranked? I think they're unranked. Okay. I'll look it up. If you were 5-0 and oh at that point of the season, and you were unranked when the season began, you're probably number 15. If you're number 15 five games of the way into the season... Then you beat also a series of unranked Purdue, Maryland, Illinois, and Indiana. Now you're nine and zero. Aren't you top ten? And if you are, and you finish with Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota, and you were still undefeated, are you not in the college football playoff if you win the Big Ten championship game? If you're undefeated, you are in the college football playoff. Yes. Right. Yes. From so the Big Ten. That's my point. Yes. So even if Wisconsin unranked, if they were unranked, they're not. If they were unranked and they lost at BYU and then ended up 12-1 and and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, I will bet you $1,000 that I don't have that they're in the college football playoff. Early, early season Un, loss? Unranked. Win like in 10 the, in a row or whatever it would be. Yeah, unranked preseason, and they finish at 12-1. and with a road loss at BYU, but a Big Ten championship win over Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State, whoever's in it, they're in the college football playoff, regardless of whether they're ranked ninth to begin the season or 29th. If they were 12-1 and and won the Big Ten championship game, they're in the college football playoff. That's my argument about people that say, hey, you're ranked ninth, that helps you out in the college football playoff. I don't think so. I think you help yourself out. I do think that college football is now set up that you will get accomplished what you need to on the field. The exceptions, a, a non-major, a non-power five conference team. That's where the ranking comes in handy. If you're Boise State, you need that, you need that preseason ranking. But if you play in a power five conference, 
You don't need to be ranked in the top 25 to get to the college football playoff. That's determined on the field. That's the point. Tom Hardicourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. He is our baseball Brewers insider. Tom Hardicourt from San Francisco. Brewers and Giants again tonight at AT AT&T in San Francisco. We'll talk with Tom Hardicourt coming up. This is the Mike Heller Show. This time of the program is brought to you by our good friends at Left's Lucky Town at Tosa. Great place to catch a game. Drew might stop by there on his way home. And also by Westtown Monona Tire at the corner of Gammon and Odana Road in Madison. We welcome in Tom Hardicourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, our baseball insider. Hello, Tom. Hey, Mike. Was today a walking day in uh, in San Francisco? Did you enjoy a little bit of the uh, of the town? I did. I did. I uh, I won't lie. I slept in a little bit. It was kind of a long day yesterday with traveling the games. Uh, but slept in a little bit, but then got up. And I always feel guilty if I don't get out and walk around in San Francisco because I I think it's the best walking city in the country. Today was uh, one of them. Chinatown today because tomorrow you got a matinee. Right. I did have lunch in Chinatown today. So you know what rule I was taught about that years ago. I don't go to the go to the restaurant where Chinese people are eating, not Americans. <laughs> yeah, and how's that worked out? Good. They know where the good food is. <laughs> All right, they do. Um, so uh, last night, not uh, the Brewers' best offensive night. I thought Zach Davies uh, really pitched well. He's had great run support all year. Kind of caught up to him in reverse last night, but just one of those nights, right? It was a head scratcher, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, that's the last thing in the world I expected was an, a basically a no show by the offense. They uh, four singles, <laughs> nothing after the fourth inning, no hits whatsoever. I mean, it's just as, just as quietly as you can go. Um, they yeah. just didn't put up much of a fight, um, considering the way they swung the bats the previous two games in Colorado. It, it was kind of puzzling. You know, I'm not going to, you certainly can't compare AT&T Park to um, Coors Field as far as offensive venues, but you got to do better than that. Well, and there was nothing hit hard. I mean, you could make the argument that the two balls hit by Zach Davies, the single to right, and the, the, the line driver, the bouncer he hit off the, the pitcher's backside, those might have been the two hardest hit balls. There was nothing to the warning track. There was nothing that hooked foul and just barely missed being extra. I mean, there was nothing. Nothing. No, no, you're right. I think Davies probably had to. He had a sharp single and then a, a liner off, uh, as I call it, the batacle area of the pitcher. <laughs> so uh, uh, he he didn't even, you know. I guess when you get hit there, it's a sheep. The trainer, you know, it's a little sheepish for him to come That's out and examine you. So they just didn't come out. <laughs> um, okay, so two things uh, on Twitter last night. Uh, you appreciated my scouting report on the big movement that Zach Davies had on his uh, two-seam fastball last night? Yeah, way to pay attention. That's that's impressive. Yeah. And then the automated strike zone that, that Drew and uh, Commissioner Manfred are not on board with, but you and I both see it coming. 
Yeah, and I think tonight we're going to get Exhibit A <laughs> for uh, for the electronic strike zone. Uh, you know who's umpiring the plate, don't you? Yeah, well, he, he was at first base last night in a call that got overturned in the ninth inning, right? He, he he wanted out of the game ahead of time last night, so he called a double play that wasn't there. But replay foiled him and extended the game another couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, CB Buckner, not known, not known in great favor with uh, players across the major leagues. Yeah, I'm sure he would prefer Fox tracks not be on the screen very often uh, when he's umpiring a baseball game because then the those at home can also see how poorly he's doing. But that's in line tonight. Jimmy Nelson is on the mound tonight, and they, they get Jeff Samarja on the other side. Now, the Giants have been, you know, rotten over the course of the year, but they played decent baseball of late. What do you get in Samarja on the mound opposite Jimmy Nelson? Well, he, he pitched great against them in Milwaukee in June. Um, six or seven innings, one earned run, ten strikeouts, so... You know, they they better hope he doesn't throw the ball as well as he did that day at Miller Park because they didn't do much against him that day. He, he's one of those guys, he has the stuff to pitch great, um, but he he's, you know, been inconsistent throughout his career. He doesn't, you know, always pitch great. He certainly has a good arm. I, I certainly think that he's more to worry about than Chris Stratton should have been last night, but Chris Stratton shut him out for six innings last night. So they got to find a way to to regenerate some offense. You know, you, it, they're just a team that relies on home runs, you know, is, may not want to play a whole lot of games at AT&T Park. It's just the ball does not carry well here, especially at night. You, you get that sort of damp marine layer off the bay, and it's just a pitcher's ballpark. It's it's cavernous out to right center, you know. But if you shoot the gaps here, the gaps are huge, and you can get some doubles and triples. The Brewers just failed to do that last night. Well, and it's a, it's a ballpark that you talk about from, from those perspectives, and the, the Brewers haven't had much success at AT&T in recent memory. 4-15 and 15 in their last 19 games here. That's not too good, is it? No, it, it isn't too good. And they did lose a full game in the wild card chase last night, three and a half behind Arizona, and uh, their two and a half just lost the half game as the Cubs were idle last night, lost a half game to the Cubs in the standings, but still, I mean, you look at 36 games remaining on the schedule for the Brewers, including tonight, 36 games remain, and they're in a position that is advantageous. I mean, they're in a spot that they can kind of make their own way, and I don't know that anybody, you, Drew, me, anybody saw that that would be the case on August the 22nd. As Craig Council puts it, we have a great opportunity in front of us. That's that's a phrase we've heard a lot from him lately. And they certainly do. I mean, like like you said, they don't they don't even though it's impossible not to scoreboard watch this time of year. They they don't really need a ton of help. You know, they they play two more series against the Cubs. They have more series against the Cardinals. Those teams have series against good games. Arizona and Colorado have a few series left against each other and against the Dodgers. So there's a, there's other teams that are going to have. You know some tough matchups coming up, but uh, you know I, I think it, the Brewers definitely need to win a game or two here because you know their next what three and six, the next nine games I think are against um, the Dodgers three, the Cardinals two, and then the Nationals four. Right? That's what we 
looked at yesterday. Yep, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it's um, you know they're playing a team with the worst record in the league or second worst. I think maybe Phillies have the worst. Um, so that that's what made last night. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kind of a tough one to swallow for them, just you know, losing two to nothing. So a team 26 games under 500, they they really can't afford more games like that here because it ratchets up in a big way uh, after this series. Yeah, no doubt. And but they lost the first game in Colorado too, and it's one of the the um, the, the may, maybe that one of the aspects of this team that goes underappreciated is that they have not found themselves unable to pick themselves off the deck. They they've done it repeatedly. Losing the first two of a series of four. Now that they didn't do that against the Pirates or the Twins, but earlier right. they had done that a couple of times when they lost the first two or lose the first game of a series and come back to to take the series. And that's what they did in Colorado. It's kind of what they need to do over the next twenty four hours or so is get two wins in San Francisco before they go to L A. Yeah, they and that's a good point. They uh, except for that stretch coming out of the break where they just could not score for three or four weeks. Um, they have not been a team that, that will roll over in a series after falling behind in the series. Sometimes teams kind of roll over. Brewers do not do that. They have not done that, in, uh, generally speaking. And so they, they they do live the fight the next day. Uh, Craig Council said after the game last night, he goes, it's just one of those nights we didn't swing the bats. we got to go get them tomorrow. And, and that's the only way to look at it. You know, it is it is a head-scratcher what happened last night, but it doesn't do any good to think about that today. They got to go out there and get after it tonight. And so, uh, they do, <laughs> they do have a, a team that seems to have, as Jim Gantner used to call it, ambrosia. Um, they don't <laughs> seem to remember what they did the night before. <laughs> and sometimes that's good. You know, Craig Council gave a little speech before the game to say about youth being in favor of the Brewers, not against them. Because I, for one, wrote a column you know during that bat stretch that their inexperience was coming back to get them because they couldn't figure a way out of that losing streak, and uh, it looked like they were succumbing to the pressure a little bit. But he takes the opposite approach. He thinks youth is what drives this team and the energy and focus and fun that they have because of that. And I think he has a good argument there. Yeah. Uh, well, well, and we'll see how it plays because sometimes you wonder about how youth gets to, you know, when we talk about only 36 games remaining, that means that they've played 126. That's a lot, you know, and, and a young roster. Some of these guys have not just simply have not done this before. And, uh, you know, I think of Orlando Arcia, who's not been yeah, this Sept- deep. September is a very good point. September is the month that sometimes separates the men from the boys because in the minor leagues, your season's over on Labor Day, right? You don't, you don't, unless you make the playoffs. You don't play in September. You play a month less. So we we talk about the dog days of summer for young players. It's often the dog days of September. It's a month that they're not used to playing. You know, they're used to playing 144 games in the minors, 
and let's face it, you're not going to play every one of those in developmental stages. You know, they make sure they don't kill these guys. Um, but then you jump up to 162 in an extra month. And, um, you know, you can't, if your gas tank's on empty, you're in trouble. Tom, let me ask you one more question in our time with you here today, and that's, that's a bigger picture stuff about Jimmy Nelson. When this season began, there were doubts about his future as a, uh, a rotation guy with the Brewers. He was maybe pitching for that opportunity to, to hang around. Now he's become the de facto ace of the staff, if it's not Chase Anderson. Uh, Jimmy Nelson has been really good all year. What's been the difference? What have you seen? Well, what we didn't... I, I think absorb in the last couple of months last year, Mike, was that this dramatic change they made in his delivery, where it almost looks like he's pitching out of the stretch all the time. He's, he's really shortened up his delivery. They, they went to that with a couple of months in the season last year because his walk rate was so high and he was having so much trouble repeating his delivery. And he's a big, strong guy, and he, and he just was having trouble repeating his delivery. Well, to, for lack of a better phrase, it took a while to take you know, it didn't take right away, and he still scuffed a little bit with it, but he continued it in spring training this year, and he was throwing the ball pretty good in spring training, and all of a sudden the season starts, and, and go on his baseball reference page uh, when you get a chance later today and look at his walk ratio last year and this year. He's cut it in half, and that's made a dramatic difference because now they have to beat him. He doesn't beat himself, and so um, that's just the main thing is he's just throwing more strikes, he, uh, he stri- his strikeout ratio has gone up and his walk ratio has gone down. That's hardly ever a bad formula. It's almost always a good one. And so he just doesn't beat himself as much as he used to by just giving people free passes and hitting batters. He, he also hit a lot of batters in the past. He's just more in command of his pitches. And uh, that's the, you know his stuff's plenty good enough when he throws it over the plate. Yeah, it's good stuff, and he he has looked good, and we'll see. And they need him to look good again tonight, but they need the bats to come around too against Jeff Samarja. Uh, Tom, always good to visit with you. Enjoy the, uh, tonight and tomorrow in San Francisco. We'll talk to you Thursday from L.A. Okay, look forward to it, Mike. Thanks. All right, thank you, Tom. Tom Hardy, quarter of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. Brought to you by Left's Lucky Town. It's a great place to catch a game and a late night tonight, 9-15, first pitch in San Francisco. Also brought to you by Westtown Monona Tire at the corner of Gammon and Odana Roads in Madison. An NBA trade rumor plus a Mayweather-McGregor question for one very uh, very own Mike Keller. That guy. You right here? Yes. Is that coming up next? NBA trade rumor and a question for our very own Mike Keller. Alright, we'll get to that next on the Mike Keller Show. So the rumor mill is heated up again in the NBA. If you're interested in where Kyrie Irving will end up playing this coming NBA season, which is only, what, about uh, eight weeks away from the first game in the NBA? I think that's right, John Audius. The rumor mill heating up again today, and it doesn't involve the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are in play where Kyrie Irving is concerned. I don't think they have... Uh, the weaponry other than Giannis Adetokounmpo, and they're not going to deal him. 
to get Kyrie. But there is a move with the Boston Celtics that is a potential. Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. Does mm. that do anything for you? I mean, it doesn't for me. Oh, yeah, Kyrie to the Boston Celtics? That's huge with Gordon Hayward. I get it. It makes a difference. But Isaiah Thomas was their heartbeat. He was great last season. Do you think that Kyrie Irving makes Boston better than they were with Isaiah Thomas? He was their heartbeat. He was was their leader in a lot more ways than just in scoring. I I do. I mean, Kyrie. Yes, I do. No, you're just saying that. (laughs) Kyrie, statistically, if you just look at the stats... Right, Isaiah Thomas averaged 28 points per game, almost 29 a year ago. Kyrie averaged just over 25. Right, so scoring wise, they're about they're about even. Assists, they're about even, 5.9 to 5.8. Age wise, did you know Isaiah Thomas is 28 years old? He's going to be 29 this upcoming season. I, mean, I thought he was in his 50s. No, oh, Isaiah, from no, all those not, times not his father. No, <laughs> wrong Isaiah Thomas. So I think that makes Boston, I mean, it makes them younger at that position, and just as good, if not, if not better. By the way, that's 25 points per game on a team with LeBron, you know, where, where LeBron is taking yeah. the majority of that I'll be honest mode. with you. I, I think, I don't know that it makes Boston a whole lot better. Um, I, I don't. Crazy. I think, it's, I I think, think it's it does. A, I think it's a little bit of a wash. It makes the East really interesting too. So now you have: Is Boston going to be that team that challenges Cleveland? How will those well, two go back and forth? How will Cleveland be if if they don't have Kyrie? So Cleveland adds be Isaiah yeah. next to LeBron in LeBron's final year in Cleveland. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. They'll still be the best in the East. If not, well, I don't know. Maybe the Celtics are better now. So I like this. I like this. Okay, this is exciting. I, I, I can tell you this. I've already devoted more time oh, to that conversation stop. than I wanted to. You are ridiculous. John, look at the calendar. Do you know what today uh, where is? Where is the calendar? To, you know, do you know what today is? The day after the solar eclipse. It's also three months to my birthday. It's August 22nd, and we don't talk about the NBA non-Bucks related in the month of August. It is We have a moratorium. I didn't know about that. Well, you well, read let's the talk fine about print. the fight of all fights that happens on Saturday. Connor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. It goes down. I'm watching it. I can't wait for it. I saw a stat up on uh, on the mothership while we're doing this that said 93% of all wagers in Vegas, 93% are on McGregor. And here's what I was going to get to. Did you hear this stat that 93% <laughs> of all tickets and 70 76% of total money being wagered at the Westgate in Las Vegas are for McGregor? You know what that means? Vegas desperately wants Money Mayweather to win the fight. Right. Everybody's... Or they're going to need to borrow from Money Mayweather oh. to pay off the bet. <laughs> Everybody's putting their money on Conor McGregor. So the question I was going to ask Mikey Baseball... You get a hundred bucks. You have to spend your own money. Whatever, one hundred dollars. Who are you putting money on to win, McGregor or Mayweather? Ninety-three percent of all tickets, seventy-six percent of total money. Mayweather. Although you got to bet. What do you got to bet? Five hundred dollars. Ten bucks. You got to bet five hundred dollars to win a hundred. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, that's what it's gone down to. It was twenty-five to one. Now it's five to one because all the money came in on McGregor. So I just saw this from R.J. Bell on Twitter, breaking, trusted Vegas source. Okay, so whatever that means, trusted Vegas source, says Mayweather seriously considering betting $5 million on himself to beat McGregor. 
can he do that? Can you bet on yourself? Is there betting in boxing? Well, you better not bet against yourself. <laughs> well, right? right, right. That's that's a better. Than... That would be a bad deal. <laughs> I bet I'm going to lose <laughs> five million. That would just, make you suspicious. I guess there are no rules. I mean, hmm. He's seriously considering betting five million on himself. Well, that well, doesn't. He's going to make two fifty. Doesn't matter. He's making two fifty on the fight. So if he bet five on himself, why would you even do that? I don't know. How much would he make? You do the math. Well, he he would if make a million. That's it. Yeah. What's the point? He's 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 minus. It, it's minus five hundred, I believe, is what. However, that works. He should put two hundred fifty million you on bet himself. Five hundred to win a hundred. So that? if you bet five million, he'd win a million. A million bucks. That's nothing. It's nothing when you're making two fifty on your take of the uh, the purse. If you want that to be a story, McGre- or Mayweather bets two hundred fifty million on himself to win. Mayweather <laughs> bets the purse. Yes, that's on what he'd himself. be making. Then I then okay. Now you better win this I thing. I don't think that there's a book that would take... No, probably I mean, not. I don't even know if there's a, a book that takes a $5 million dollar bet. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea how that works. It's monopoly money to so, me. Okay, you'd bet it on Mayweather. If I had, if I had to do this and I was, we were in Vegas, I'd put 100 down on McGregor. Well, yes, because that 100 can win you 500. Right. So you're taking the odds because you're going, you have a chance... To dramatically increase your money. Here's what I'm afraid of. I've I've been really geeking out on this, listening to podcasts, trying to get as much information as I can on this fight. Why? Because it's exciting to me. Well, you don't think it's going to be a fight, though. I I, I think Mayweather will win. Mayweather never gets hit. But you why? think a non-boxer is no, going to hit him? Probably not. But but what if he does? He fought now. There, did you know all this about the sparring session that McGregor had with Pauly Mahler? I don't. I haven't. Listen. Anyway, the point I, is, I'll, he's like a I two-time. It like you have. He's like a two-time. You watch the Showtime pre-fight stuff, right? He's a he's a legitimate boxer, right? Not in boxing shape. The guy that he McGregor sparred against. You saw the leaked video that. that no, I didn't. I'm okay, telling you, I'm not paying attention. Dana White put out the leaked video from that sparring session, which they really didn't have cameras in. Um, and McGregor knocks him down. Why do you think they did that? To, buy, to sell pay-per-view. You, you, you don't think that that's maybe staged to, to sell, pay-per-view. sell more tickets? I don't know, because Paulie was saying that he pushed him down. He didn't well, get knocked you, down. What do you think they're going to say? This is So all, this guy's this in on it? This is a show. So you're saying... It's a show. So this ex-boxer, or not yes. ex-boxer, this boxer yeah, works for Showtime. Yeah, you think he's not getting paid? He's in on it to say one thing just to the of hype. Of course. I think people you are, are going to... You are, you are not cynical enough. Anyway, my point is, if, you, if you McGregor be, your gets goal him, should be to be more cynical. If McGregor gets him, it's going to be within the first few rounds because he's going to do something that. Which one would disappoint? He's not going to get him. Which would disappoint? I didn't you say more? he would. I said if he does. Which would disappoint you more? Mayweather wins in a first round knockout, like it's done. You don't even get a full round out of it. That's not going to happen. Mike. Or Mayweather goes twelve rounds and he fights like he always fights. There's not a whole lot of action. He never gets hit. He just jabs and moves, jabs and moves, jabs and moves, never gets hit, and it goes 12 rounds. And he wins wins a unanimous decision. What do we we say after almost all of Mayweather's fights? Probably the 12-rounder would be disappointing, even though that's what's going to happen, because that's what always happens. What do we typically say after a Mayweather fight? I don't know. I've really only watched one. It's boring. Yeah. So would you be more disappointed in a first-round knockout or a 12-round unanimous decision? Probably 12 rounds. 
You want the fight to be stopped one way or the other or a knockout, but not in the first round. Although you would love it if McGregor knocked out Mayweather in the first round. I would love that. McGregor said he could do it in 10 seconds. Best case. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Here, here, what, what you're basically hoping for, or me, is that just McGregor gets a lucky punch on one of the best defensive boxers of all time. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Because I think after, and what the podcasting people and the people better, smarter than I, uh, after about two, three, four rounds, McGregor, uh, Mayweather has him figured out. A month He's ago, touch we had a substantial on and off air argument. What about what? About this fight. That I thought it was the first of two. Yes. And you said, not a chance. I mean, everything, every bone in your body said, no way. That's n- no way. Don't see it. Well, 99.9%, yeah. Now you've changed, haven't you? Well, I just wonder, why is Mayweather hmm. agreeing to certain conditions? Why is he agreed to drop the ounces in, in gloves that was approved last week? Fight at a higher weight class that he's not little, fought at. Right. A little higher in the pounds. Yeah, heavier. Heavier. That's how you say it. Yeah, I don't know. Now you think... So now, are you going to apologize for being so, it almost, at, so yelling at me a month ago when I said this is the first of two? But then there's the other part of me that says, and then why are you betting five million? Maybe because five million of two fifty isn't again. Anything. That's just showtime, there, John. It's just showmanship. So in your it's mind, real. the sparring session McGregor had yes. with this boxer was set up for the set up for the boxer to call McGregor out beforehand, saying that he could knock him out with his you know hand tied behind his back set up in the sense that he says he got pushed down and then the video gets released so all this has been pre-planned months in advance and mayweather's planning this by betting a small percentage of his 250 million dollar purse on himself to make it seem like hey i was gonna bet on myself anyway i bet on myself look all this is set up just so mayweather can take a fall not only do all that but then go to 49 and one i'm not telling you that it's all set up for mayweather to take a fall I'm but saying him, it's for all him set to lose. Up. I'm saying it's all set up for a second fight. He could win and have a second fight. So you think he lets McGregor? Here, can I introduce people to my co-host, naive John Audius? <laughs> oh, that's that's a good one. Um, I don't You're know. too naive on this. So you stuff. think so? He's just going to let McGregor hang around enough so it's compelling enough for a McGregor John I don't know how this is going to play I just know that what are you saying I just know that people are in it for money and if you you don't think that the sparring session was set up to create greater hype I think it did create greater hype I think it got leaked why do you think it got leaked you don't think that that was planned but everybody was in on it so you're saying his sparring partner was in on it yes come on man get with it Stop know, being man. so gullible. You haven't have you even seen the video? It doesn't matter if I've seen it. Why? Why does it matter if I've seen it? I I still don't think that it would be leaked without the the malice of forethought that they they planned this, set it all know, up. Man. You are so gullible. I don't know. Man. So then well then what you're basically telling me is everything in the world of boxing is WWE. Or 90% um, of it? No, no, no. That's I'm what you're saying. If you're saying this. that this has been set up and I'm talking about this. There is too much money at play for, for this to be all up and up. Too much money. And that's just... Okay, you can view me as being cynical, 
And I view you as being incredibly naive or gullible and both. But you look at every, almost every aspect of this fight. Set up, staged, set up. What do you think? Why do you think they're doing that? Like every aspect, from sparring sessions to betting on himself. Why do you think the promoter would leak the sparring video? Well, I get why that, but the point is it happened. You're saying the sparring video is fake. That's what you're saying. I think the knockdown would be. I get why they'd leak it. That makes total sense. But you're saying the sparring session was fake then? Yep. Okay. Everything's fake in this. Not everything. It's WWE. I think there are a lot of WWE elements to this. Hey, I'll be staying up late. You want me to text you on Brewers uh, Giants updates? Nope. Yes. I'll be sleeping. Nope. I can send them to you. No. How about after every half inning? No. First pitch at 9.15. Talk to you tomorrow on the Mike Heller Show. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.